For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Friday, everybody's favourite day, I think. Wet weekend in stores. There's Ralph Regal in the Independent this morning, but it's all not all doom and gloom because he is predicting in the Indo today that there is an Indian summer looming uh, round about mid-September. As soon as everybody's back at school and the holidays are over, we get an Indian summer. But we'll have to endure a few weeks of unsettled weather between now and then, he says. Flood Friday is the headline making the star today. Heavy rain for today. But as I say, the weekend's looking brighter. Tomorrow's better than Sunday. Fingers crossed. Now, all of the papers this morning are dominated by uh, one thing and that is the surprise news. The U-turn. The cancellation um, of negotiations with Ryan Tuberty leading to him being axed by RTE. Uh, the Sun's headline this morning Tubbs axed by RTE. Backhurst ends talks on the star's return uh, for the radio slot. Front of this morning's mirror says Tuberty not coming B-A-K. The RTE boss says no plans for the star's return. He says the trust has been broken. The door remains slightly ajar in the future. I'm quite sure what that means. RTE dumps Tuberty just as the 170 grand deal was about to be signed as the front page of making the independent today. Shocked Tuberty has been described as being shocked by uh, when Kevin Backhurst was asked how did he take the news of the phone call. Shocked, he said. Uh, cast out. Uh, talks to get him back on the air. Collapse. That's the front of the mail today. And the inside page of some of the papers, the Irish Times and its front page says... Uh, quotes Backhurst to saying, Kevin Backhurst saying, now is not the right time for Ryan to come back to RTE. And he ended the talks by phone. Radio Gaga says the star this morning, furious chief axes the shocked tubs over the pay outburst. Now that pay outburst has to do with uh, Ryan Tuberty's statement regarding the not one but two reports from Grant Thornton, uh, where it gives the impression uh, that Ryan Tuberty still believes that anything to do with the Renault payments, one made by Renault for 75 grand, two made by RTE for 150 grand, were not part of his salary. Uh, an awful lot of people find that difficult to hold water. Why in the name of God the man didn't sit on his hands and say nothing at all and get back on the air? I don't know. Will we ever know? More on that in a few minutes, but your thoughts on it are welcome. Text 0868104106. Is this good? Are bad. Uh, incidentally, while all of this is happening, of course, they're now start scrambling for a repla- replacement for Ryan Tuberty for the 9 to 10 slot. And they might change the entire daytime lineup, and I don't know what they'll do with RT. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know what they're going to do with money because uh, nobody's paying the license fee. Will they get a public bailout? Who knows? At the same time, of course, Keelty is getting ready to take over the Late Late Show and buried away inside in the Star this morning. I found an interesting one where for years and years and years, Gabriel, I'm talking about the Late Late Show now. Do you know who Gabriel is? Well, Gabriel is the Late Late Show's iconic owl. That's the cigarooni, or my um, interpretation of it anyway. But the owl featured for, like, what, 40 years, 50 years? They've only gone and axed the owl from the Late Late Show. I mean, why couldn't they just leave it alone? It's synonymous with the Late Late Show since 1962. But they've got rid of the owl. So Gabriel's gone and they replaced it with an old blue and white logo. Um, is it too late to uh, start a, a public petition on this to reverse out of it? Uh, anyway, more on all things to do with uh, Ryan Tuberty and RTE and perhaps Gabriel the Owl in a few minutes' time. Awfully sad news. Front page of the Echo this morning and I... I um, Sadly, had to break the news yesterday morning of the death of a young boy following that uh, car and cycle 
crash down in Carrigaline. He's eight-year-old Andreo Ladero, and he was going to Onabui Educate Together National School, and they are heartbroken in the school. God only knows how his parents feel. Uh, he brought joy to everyone in the room, the school is saying, and the tributes to this kind little boy who's lost, lost his life in that crash make the front page of this morning's Echo. Indeed, we had two children killed in separate crashes recently. Two families plunged into mourning following the deaths of a young boy and a teenage girl in horrific crashes. One was Andre uh, down in Ballinray in Carrigaline, and the other one was a lad or a girl by the name of Savannah Barry Calvert died at 20 to midnight on Wednesday night after being hit by a car in Limerick City. Awfully tragic, isn't it? It really and truly is. You see, the uh, Greater Chernobyl Trust had a, a, a box, a collection box up on the counter of their shop inside in Merchant's Quay and somebody robbed it. It had 200 euro inside in it. Uh, it makes the echo today. Sarah Horgan says a refugee... Uh, sorry, Sarah Horgan says that a, a charity shop owner is appealing for the return of the vital funds from their cash box. Shocking theft that has left them reeling and hurt. I hope to have more on that throughout the course of the morning. And then there's the story of a refugee also making the echo today who was conned out of all of her life savings. She fell victim, of course, to one of these um, cruel v- scams that target vulnerable people who are trying to come to Ireland to start a new life. It's not always people coming overseas from overseas. A lot of nationals also get uh, conned by people pretending to be landlords or pretending to have a house or a flat or a room. In this case, the woman had recently uh, arrived in Cork with just €400 Euro worth of savings to her name uh, and she responded to an ad for a house share, exchanged the messages with this character who was posing as a landlord, um, gave a deposit to secure the room, all she had in the world, and of course the house share and the, and the room and the house never existed I mean, can you imagine how you'd feel if you were left penniless and potless and homeless after thinking you were got good news and a great new start? Uh, or um, the issue regarding Angarda Shikona and the ATMs. Now, the Irish Civil Liberties Council, the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, has wrote in on this one because they're not at all happy with the Garda Shikona being called out to mine the bank's money. I know we spoke about this at length on the air yesterday, but it's interesting what the Irish Council for Civil Liberties is saying, um, that there must be a clear legal basis if the Gardaí are involved in an action that restricts people's rights, movements or ability to access finance. Um, And they're also saying that was there any kind of risk assessment taken ahead of this operation where Gardaí went to ATM machines all over the country to stop people taking out money and stand in front of the ATM machine or block them with Garda cars. So the Civil Liberties Council wants to know why exactly did officers get involved? Now it was also announced yesterday morning that Michael Michael Parkinson had passed away. All of the papers in the inside pages have like double pages. Some of the red tops have four and five pages because there was so much to his life and there were so many people that he interviewed. So all of the newspapers this morning, including The Sun with a great photograph of um, Ali and uh, Parkinson squaring up a little bit of mock fisticuffs on the front of this morning's Sun. Um, would you believe that there were 106,960 adverse incidents in the Irish Health Service last year? Oh, nearly 107,000 what they call adverse incidents and 500 people, 550 people died last year due to adverse incidents in Irish hospitals. This is a report that's been released um, and Michael Michael Doyle in The Sun this morning has it saying that these adverse incidents are like slips, people being given the wrong meds, surgery carried out on the wrong body part or even surgery carried out on the incorrect patient. Over 500 people now have been left permanently disabled. The stats are revealed. I wonder if there's anybody listening to me that fell victim to one of these adverse incidents in an Irish hospital. 
because this is shockingly high. Certainly the amount of people uh, that were left dealing with the pain or indeed the adverse surgery, 107,000 of them, but the 550 people who died. You know, with regards to um, trying to avail of, uh, you know, hotel beds or bed and breakfast slots or rent a house over the summer, we all know of the uh, issues regarding that and how difficult it is. Quite an amount of the hotels actually that have flipped to housing refugees or taking in refugees are very unlikely to come back to the tourism sector, certainly in the short to medium term. And the reason behind that really, according to the Irish tourism industry, is there's no incentive for hoteliers to go back to tourists because they're getting much better terms on offer housing uh, asylum seekers. So there's about 11,000 beds that were short and that's what we needed to fill if we're to get back to where we were at all next year. Today's, this year's a write-off at this stage. Um, but at the moment, there's like 76,000 beds under government contract and like nearly 30,000 properties registered with Falja Ireland that also have been flipped over to housing Ukrainian refugees. And no thought of flipping back again because the money's too good. Joe Brawley's wrote in on Ua Up The Ra, uh, the chant. He says it has to go. There'll never be any reconciliation between unionists and nationalist communities in the north unless Ua Up The Ra goes. He says that he believes the chant is a nuisance. He thinks people should refrain from using it. He says, I know it's not a call to arms. It's nothing like that anymore. But you have to put yourself in the shoes of the victims of the Claudie bomb, the victims of the Shankill bomb, people who have suffered terribly at the hands of our side. Our side, he says. So it's kind of a brave statement to make, but I think it could be somewhat divisive as to how people will react to it. And I know I spoke yesterday and indeed reacted myself with the fact that Brown Thomas now have launched Christmas and we're still in a kind of a, a kind of the summer season. They call it, it totally bammy in more ways than one. Um, 129 days until December 25th and BT have got into the festive spirit already um, and they're... Uh, announcing that they're also going it's got to be a good thing because they're announcing that they're hiring an extra 350 employees to join their seven stores for the Christmas period they're expecting it to be so busy so the Christmas shops are opening I don't know what the story is with the front windows they're all Christmassy mix of Christmas trees and lights and stockings and wreaths and crackers and garlands and all sorts of stuff that goes with it and here we are on the 18th day of August. Sadly, Camden Fort Mar didn't open at all this year. Uh, it was an awful shame because I would love to have given away some passes for it. Uh, the Echo this morning is suggesting that uh, it hopefully will reopen next year. And as we head into day three of Cork on a Fork Fest, uh, there's an awful lot of events happening across the weekend and indeed the Cork Oyster Shocking Championships takes place this weekend at the Metropole Hotel. I'll speak later on to the World Shocking Champion. Got to be careful saying that. And also the man who has um, won and continues to win in spite of every single challenge, the Guinness Book of Records for Oyster Shocking a little later on. He's a Canadian by the name of Paddy McMurray. Oh, don't you love this one? They're talking about, you know, with regards to people going back to the office to work, it's somewhat demeaning to men to suggest that men are twice as likely as women to go to the office because they want to avoid families. I mean, this is kind of hurtful to men who love families and love spending time at home and love being around their kids. Uh, But one of the main reasons why men go back to the office to work is to avoid their family and to steal stationery. (laughs) 
steel stationery. Uh, one other reason is office banter. It's a greater pull for men than women. Men are twice as likely as women to go to the office to make, friend, make friends, meet people, and I suppose engage in a bit of gossip. So I don't know how we feel about that, men. I don't think we should feel too well about people telling us that we want to go back to work or back to the office because we want to avoid our families. No, bad news, that one. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. Lots of texts already with regards to Ryan Tuberty. I mean, amazing. 24 hours. What um, a short period of time, but yet so much can happen. This time yesterday morning, the headlines and the tabloids were cut price tubs set for RTE return. Only a few hours later on, of course, that all imploded, exploded. And the headlines in the papers this morning shocked Tuberty cast out. I'm joined by Terry Brown, chairman, our chairperson of the Communications Clinic, columnist with the Irish Examiner, broadcaster, uh, and very much across this story. Terry, good morning. Good morning, sir. How in the name of God, in such a short period of time, could something like this happen? I think that um, historic uh, analysis will reveal that Ryan and his people lost sight of the main objective. The main and indeed the only objective should have been to get him back on air. Everything else could have been sorted later, but he needed to be back on air. And in that context, when the Grant Thornton report came out, what he should have done was simply welcome it and make no comment. But he chose to issue a statement which was effectively poking RTE in the eye or, as Kevin Backhurst said last night on the news, uh, opening, reopening an old argument. And that created a loss of trust between him and his future employer. And the end result was a collapse of his prospects of getting back on the air. And that isn't just... It isn't just something that, oh, yeah, well, it's a corporate decision. It's a tragedy for Ryan Tuberty. Financian in The Independent this morning, and indeed last night, alongside you on on RTE, was saying this is a flimsy excuse to dump him. RTE and Kevin Backhurst could just have ignored his statement and just pretended it wasn't there and just got him back on the air, No. I think that I would disagree with Fionn on on this, uh, taking my life in my hands, um, because I think that this is to misread uh, the wider situation in RTE, which is about reform. The wider situation... Oh, I hope he's. I hope it's uh, a, a lot of loss. Sorry, I lost you there, Terry. Go ahead. Reform, you oh, were I'm saying. So, yeah, I'm you're so grand. sorry. Yeah. Reform and also financial... Uh, difficulties. RTE is in great financial difficulty and the fact that the licence fee is clearly now not just something that is being resisted by a few people but being widely resisted means that government is going to have to make fundamental decisions about the funding of the organisation and that's where backers uh, face is is towards he just and I think that he used the word distraction he couldn't have the distraction of this posturing as uh, or he would see it by uh, Tuberty would would Ryan Tuberty have been advised with regards would he have checked with someone like what he ultimately has said in the statement is that he does not believe that the seventy five grand from Renault or the two other seventy five grands that RTE paid him are part of his salary um, would he have taken advice from anybody before he, he released that statement? 
Oh, I'm quite sure he took advice. I, I'm, I'm sure he took advice from PO people. I'm sure he took advice from legal and from accountancy people. The problem is that when you get into this kind of dug-in situation, the advice that people give you tends to be more and more defensive. You can't let them away with that. You have to make a statement. You have to take a stance. And all of that would have been going on when, in fact, the best advice would have been, Ryan, get over yourself, get back on the air. And would that now, be your, if you're a very, very senior and well-respected PR guru, is that the advice you would have given him? Would you please sit in your hands and keep your mouth shut and get back on the air? I would have said, look, this is a negotiation, Ryan. A negotiation depends on reaching an objective with both sides happy with the outcome. That's all there is to it. Nothing else must be allowed to come into the issue at this time. It's not even a communications issue. It's a negotiation issue. Whenever people who are in a negotiation start making stances or taking up positions, you know they're going to lose. You just need to keep your eye on the prize and say, what do I have to do to get there? Let's deal with all the rest later. Okay. Isn't it likely now, though, that this is going to result in litigation? By Ryan Tuberty. He has been found by two Grand Thornton reports to have been guilty of no wrongdoing. His interpretation of Renault is one thing, but no wrongdoing on his behalf. Doors wide open for legal action, right? Possibly, but um, Kevin Backers didn't accuse him of wrongdoing. Um, and indeed, that hasn't been the accusation all along. What, what truly riled his colleagues in Orgy was not wrongdoing, but that he stood by giving RTE, giving the impression that he was taking much bigger cuts than in fact he was, that he was being paid less than half a million when he was being paid slightly more than half a million. That is the central hurt in this whole issue. And I'm not sure that... If I were Ryan, well, of course, I always advise people never go to law anyway. But if I were Ryan, I'd be saying, look, can I afford to accuse Kevin Backhurst of doing me down when he has so much wider problematic stuff to deal with and had reached a tentative agreement yes. with me? Yes, yes. Do, do, you, do you think, because you're around the the hallowed halls of Donnybrook. Do you think that the staff were split on his potential return? Is there is there an amount of bitterness about the salary and all of this? Um, uh, the people that I have talked to in RT, the, the troopers, the uh, sound engineers, the floor managers, camera people, those sort of people, um, they were genuinely shocked when it came out that Ryan hadn't taken the same level of cuts. Oddly, they had never really resented the high salary that he was on. There was a kind of an acceptance. Well, sure, he's the star of the show and he attracts a lot of advertising about Grant. But when the impression was given that we're all in this together, when people on 35000 a year were taking salary cuts that really hurt them... Yeah. Um, and when they were looking at somebody who they thought 
had taken a salary cut, even though the income tax thing would have made it much less painful for Ryan, they they were appalled. They felt betrayed. There was a, an anger that I haven't seen in RTE in 30 years over this issue. I don't think that Ryan ever understood how difficult it was going to be for him to come back because the, that anger wasn't going to go away. Just one or two more questions for you because you'd have your finger on the pulse of this. The, the, door, is, the door is still ajar, according to Kevin Backhurst. What does that mean? Does it mean a kind of like a, a hiatus of, of six months and slip back in? Or will Ryan Tuberty now have to start looking for work, work or, or what? Well, that depends entirely on his savings and investments. And Kevin Backhurst has made it clear that this is not a forever decision. I think that your suggestion of six months is spot on. I think that Ryan should take a six-month sabbatical, do something completely different or do nothing at all, ideally do the nothing at all someplace else so he gets privacy and his mind refreshed and then come back to RTE with the suggestion, look, what about this lot? And I would have this kind of approach to it. Uh, He can certainly, in the interim, talk to independent producers who might very much like to be going back with him six months from now, saying to Orgy, here's the package that we're offering you. What do you think? Okay. Are you expecting Ryan Tuberty to make a statement at this point? Oh, God, I hope he doesn't. Really? I, I really hope he doesn't, Neil, because every single statement that he has issued so far has been bad for him in its outcome. I think he should just go silent. And who do you think they're thinking of replacing him with? I haven't a notion. You have flattered me a couple of times in this interview by suggesting (laughs) that I know everything. Um, I know nothing about that. I have no clue what they'll do. Uh, But the thing is that it's, it's a sort of a self-sustaining slot. I worked on it years ago when Gay Byrne had an hour-long program in it. Um, the the uh, ratings were very high at that time. But the kind of leeching of listeners from Morning Ireland is very helpful to that hour. And so even when John Murray had it a few years ago, he had roughly 95% of the ratings that Tuberty has had. So it's not a a personality-specific hour. That's very true. You are right there. That show inherits huge numbers from from Morning Ireland. This is far from finishing uh, with regards to what happens next. Of course, we've got issues regarding the licence fee and a possible public bailout and whether this will draw a line under it and people will start paying their licence fee again finally? Yep, that is the question. I, If I were government, I would be saying this is our opportunity to abandon the licence fee arrangement because it's more trouble than it's worth and it creates more resentment than uh, can be tolerated. And also people are now resisting it in a much more organised way. Do we need another water charges thing going into the autumn let's come up with a different model of funding the public service aspect of RTE while discouraging RTE from jiggery pokery like the uh, Renault deal mm. and uh, other things. I mean, the the rate card of RTE has always been regarded as a fiction. Uh, what they were 
supposed to be demanding for advertising was just uh, a, a, a negotiation mm. position. Mm. Okay. Listen, thank you so much. Busy day for you ahead. Thanks yeah. for taking the call as always. Pleasure, sir. Uh, Terry Prone, just uh, quickly, I know Fionn Sheehan is equally busy doing media this morning, but uh, he joins me from the Irish Independent. Fionn, good morning. You, you, good morning, uh, You correctly say there's many a slip between cup and lip, but you're also saying this is a flimsy excuse by RTE to dump Tuberty. Yeah? Correctly quoting you there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it is no surprise that Ryan Tuberty's position uh, on the, the famous Renault deal paid for by the barter account through the dodgy invoices uh, is that he did nothing wrong there. He sat through seven hours of the Rockets Committee effectively saying that he's issued multiple statements. So for Kevin Mackers to turn around and now suddenly be shocked and surprised and appalled that, that Ryan Tuberty uh, holds these views uh, that uh, his his salary was correctly stated uh, is, you know, it's, it's a bit of a fallacy. Uh, yet also when you look at the actual facts of the offending sentence in his statement the other day that RT has taken umbrage with, he, he's actually factually correct because the way the payments were made meant that he was paid by Renault uh, in one year, which was the year, uh, the, the following year, basically 2020 for 2021. And then the other payments were made by RTE in 2022. And he simply pointed out, this is a restatement of a figure that was never stated in the first place. So you're kind of going, okay, so Ryan Tuberty has made factual statements uh, here and RT have a difficulty with it. The issue is he reopened a, a sore uh, and the RT board and the RT management are very touchy and sensitive uh, about this uh, and hence uh, that has uh, resulted but, uh, in, in them, them seeing this as, as him not being contrite. Yeah, absolutely not being contrite because that's what Kevin Backer yeah. said. He said, Ryan needs to take a certain amount of responsibility for everything. And he gives the distinct okay. impression that, that he says Ryan Tuberty isn't taking any responsibility. That's fine. But up until, uh, up until Monday evening, he had signed the contract or he had a contract ready, agreed. He was coming back on, on September the 4th uh, to the airwaves. Uh, there was details uh, about continuing his show and doing a podcast. So he hadn't shown any contrition uh, up until that point either. So nothing had, had really changed. The 150 grand that he received from RTE for doing no work, uh, as we put it, uh, that was due to be, be paid back. That's you know, a very hefty slice of, of, of contrition. But he never accepted uh, there. that there was anything wrong with that. When the public at large no. know that those three payments yeah. of 150 in total are salary. Absolutely, but he never accepted anything was wrong throughout this entire process. I don't really accept that that, that position suddenly changed when Ryan Tuberty issued a, a, a statement and that had one line in it, uh, which was factually correct uh, on, on Tuesday evening. So, yeah, look, he, he got back into uh, an, an issue uh, needlessly uh, in an area where RT didn't want to go, but it wasn't a new position by any means uh, on, on his part. But he poked the bear, as Terry Prone says. He poked the bear. and that well, yeah, Surely and, you'd agree that wouldn't... Uh, you, that, that, 
if you're giving somebody advice, that's not the kind of advice you give them. Well, well, no, the bear is well poked here. Let, let's, let's be clear. Nobody in RTE, uh, to our understanding, has been punished uh, in the manner in which RT, or Ryan Tuberty is. They step down from the here. board, but they hold their jobs, you're saying? They hold their jobs. There, there, there are people who are prominently and very prominently referenced uh, in the Grant Thornton report that was issued the other day uh, and going into all sorts of jiggery-pokery around the, the changing of figures in which would appear to have been in order to bring sums under a certain level. Uh, and they are still in RT. They still hold hold their, their, their positions. Other people have, have retired early. One person uh, resigned. We were told there was no pressure brought to bear on them and, and so on and so forth. So all of the faults that was identified earlier on this week in the Grand Thornton report lay with RTE management. And yet the one guy who in that report was declared innocent is the one who gets shafted. And uh, I would just query if, if, that's, if that is a justified position to adopt uh, at this point. Yes, yes. Interesting perspective on it. Um, you mentioned other people, though. Do, uh, have you guys been trying to talk to, to Dee Forbes? Are you respecting that she's unwell or, or, or what? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, one of my colleagues in the Sunday World turned up at our house in, down in, in West Cork. I think she's uh, she's in Landor, mm-hmm. Union Hall, and um, they met uh, her, her partner, uh, who on ceremony she told them to to depart. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in in rather forceful language. So, yeah, their D Forbes has is is saying that she is ill and that she is therefore uh, unavailable. Mm-hmm. To either comment or to talk to anybody uh, involved in any of the multiple investigations that are that are going on uh, in in RT. So no, no, nobody has heard that before. You, you say in the Independent, the door was fi- firmly slammed in his face. The impression that I got that it wasn't slammed at all, and it's slightly ajar with a chink of lights shining through it. No, well, slammed now for now. Uh, it. There is, there's a twin-edged sword here in in terms of uh, will Ryan Tuberty return at some point in, in the future, and that would appear to be contingent upon his behaviour from from now on. Ryan Kevin Backhurst, the director general of RT, has admitted that there is a risk uh, of litigation here. That 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 is a prospect that he he thought. Uh, legal advice from his own team on that, uh, that if Ryan Tuberty was to go down the, the legal route, uh, you know, there, there, there would be another rather damaging process going on there for the organisation. So the hint seems to be to Ryan Tuberty, go off now for a period, keep keep your nose clean, uh, stop saying nasty things about RTE and we can have a chat at some point. Uh, in, in the future, that could go in the complete opposite direction. Ryan Tuberty could well take a, a, a case now around uh, his his contract. Uh, also, taking the case uh, potentially uh, around the manner in which he has been treated by RTE over the course uh, of of the last uh, two months, uh, in terms of information that was put out there in in the first place. So we have to see now how that one plays out. That that's a strategic decision that Brian Tobery now has has to take. Balls in his court. Yeah, yeah. yeah, is it basically the case that he he decides, look, I'm finished with RTE forever uh, here now. 
So therefore, I'm going to go burn all the bridges and uh, go down in a, all guns blazing and I'll see you down the courts. Uh, or else he just sits tight and goes, right, look, I can be back within six or 12 months, perhaps. So there's, uh, there's a couple of options. Think, the third is a double, yeah. spread, a double spread interview uh, in the Sunday Independent. Sorry? Uh, that's, there's a third option as well. He can do nothing, he can sue, or he can um, make a statement or an interview like a double-page spread in this weekend's Sunday Independent. Yeah, absolutely, he can. I mean, he, he, can, he can go down that, that route too of, of, of basically coming out and telling uh, his side uh, of the story. So it, it, there's a decision now for, for him to take uh, about you know, whether he, he does see that, that he has a, 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 some sort of future within in RT. And that, that's a difficult one now because effectively Kevin Backers is, is saying that that is contingent upon him showing some form of contrition and taking responsibility uh, around this issue uh, of the, the the Renault deal uh, and accepting his his part of of the blame uh, for that. And Ryan Tuberty hasn't done that up until now, so it it makes you wonder, you know, will will, will he ultimately uh, be happy to go down that route? Because that's why Kevin Backers is saying he's now out of the loop. Yeah, it has to do with the Renault payments. Appreciate mm-hmm. you taking the call, Fiona, and much obliged yeah, to you, as always. Fiona Sheehan, communist uh, and reporter with the uh, Irish Independent. Uh, many a slip between cup and lip, he says, but a flimsy excuse. Fiona Sheehan, very much on the side that um, uh, in this case, the sacking of Tuberty was wrong. Your thoughts on it, please. Text 0868104106 after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086 8104 106 Gorks Red FM. Ryan Tuberty unceremoniously dumped by RT and as a broadcaster personally, uh, I don't feel at all um, you know, happy with the fact that you see another broadcaster's career end up in tatters, um, certainly in the short term anyway. Ray says, good riddance, there's a God after all. Burr says, I say he'll have no problem getting work anyway. Catherine, I actually think he was stitched up. I love his radio show. I'll be switching channels. Selena says, all because he was too smarmy and confident, had to say it's all RTE to blame. That's what he said yesterday. He has not realised the statement he would be returning, with releasing that statement, he would not be returning to his job. Right or not, we will never ever know the full ins and out. I wish him well and I'm sure he'll get a post somewhere else. Well, we do know all of the ins and out and this really is very much central with regards to uh, him uh, and the Renault payments. One was made by Renault. They then get a credit note from RTE for the 75 grand and RTE paid the other two, uh, inverted commas, Renault payments, each of 75 grand. So in total, RTE pretty much paid all three of them um, and he still believes that it wasn't part of his salary even though it was paid by RT. The second one was the fact that in total there were five years in total where his salary uh, was under declared when published and on the, the other aspect of this is that he should have come out although he did apologize, I don't know if he apologised but he, he said it was he should have come out and corrected the payments when he saw the published earnings were actually incorrect. Those are the two, from my point of view anyway, that's why I see it, these are the two issues where he eventually fell on his own sword. One was the published figures and the other was the payments uh, by, by Renault. Uh, Colin Burke is a Fine Gael TD for Cork North Centre. Now, he's a member of the Oireachtas Public Accounts Committee and was part of the fairly hefty grilling of Noel Kelly and uh, Ryan Tuberty, but he's also a solicitor in his own right. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Would, would, would a solicitor have given, or would it be uh, an agent or an accountant? Would, would somebody have had sight 
uh, of what he intended to do uh, during the week that led to this um, Well uh, I, I suppose one of the rules I've, I had as a solicitor was you know the least you say the less likely you're going to run into difficulty and especially in the statement I mean I suppose the, 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 the line in the statement that caused the problem for him, uh, for him and I'll quote it it is also clear that my actual income from RTE in 2020 and 21 matches what was originally published as my earnings for these those years and RTE has not yet published its top 10 earner details for 2022. But in fact, the figures that were published did not include the 75,000. No, they didn't. For, for 2020, it was 466,000 when he actually earned 522,500. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think this, this is the issue that has caused the problem. And I suppose, you know, you, he could have issued a very short statement, the one paragraph statement, because I think the report exonerated him in relation to it. He was not involved in any way in the under-declaration of the 17, uh, 18 and 19 figures. Um, that was something that RT, uh, it appears, orchestrated, which was totally wrong, the way that, that they wanted to bring all their figures under the 500,000. So he wasn't involved in that in the report to clarify that. And then I think issuing the statement like this just didn't add up and it wasn't what should have been done. But sure, if the people in RT were doctoring the books um, in 2017, 18 and 19... Why aren't any of their heads rolling? Why is it talking? Well, that's, that's a, a, a good question. And you remember also, Neil, the, 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 the actual invoice was drafted by the legal department in RTE. And there are two main things that stand out in that invoice. One is an in-rhyme property and two is the figure of 75,000. That was sent by the RTE solicitors to Noel Kelly for Noel Kelly to send on an invoice to Reynolds. At the same time as that invoice was sent on to Noel, or that memo or, or email was sent on to Noel Kelly by the legal department in RTE, it was also sent, cc'd, to the finance office in the financial controller of RTE. Um, so the two things that stood out in that memo were the name Ryan Tuberty and the figure of 75,000. And why didn't the the department within RT, the finance department, raised issues about this, about that issue at that stage, and nothing happened. Um, so concerns should have been raised at that stage, in particular when RT was required to publish the earnings of each of their top presenters. So, you know, there are still questions to be answered, and there was questions, you know, which, which I raised at the Public Accounts Committee, um, both in relation to the Chief Financial Officer and also in relation to the Legal Department and I don't think we've got... Well, it's that. a bit late for that. If one has uh, retired <coughs> and, and another is on... Uh, well, not on, on sick leave because she is also gone. D Forbes is, is, is not answering questions. So, uh, no, but, but this is within, within departments, within... Yeah, but the departments the are saying that they were following instructions so that would lead you right to the top. I, exactly, but the question is, we still haven't found like who gave the direction to the legal department to send on the invoice. Do you think, as a, as a member of the Oireachtas Committee, though, that it's a high price for a broadcaster to pay, having been found guilty of nothing by two Grant Thornton reports? Well, I think the, the problem that's there, that RT, and I suppose one of the things that uh, Kevin Barker is trying to do now is assert his authority. And that's basically what he's trying to do is and trying to restore confidence and bring back transparency to RT. And yeah, but he could have called him yesterday <coughs> and said, listen, I'm going to give you one last chance now. Uh, well, to, to see, clarify or retract. We don't know what were the discussions that went on over the last number of weeks. And remember as well, at the Public Accounts Committee, when I put 
to Kevin Backhurst was Ryan Tauberty being paid still he advised the Public Accounts Committee that the invoice for that particular week where I raised that question was not paid and that he wouldn't be paid going forward and that was clearly indicated to the uh, Public Accounts Committee it now transpires in fact that payments continue to be made to him even though he wasn't working with an RTE so obviously there was a degree of trust built up between the current Director General and Ryan Tuberty. The current Director General obviously felt that trust then went out the door once that statement was issued. It is quite a long statement. I think it shouldn't, you know, whoever gave him advice. And in fact, if you look at all of the advice given over the last, you know, six months, I would seriously question the advice being given. Um, there are times when you need to pull back and there are times you need to to analyse it yourself rather than being relying on a, on a whole lot of different advisors who believe that this is all about uh, who's going to win the, pa- the battle with the, with the general public. And I think this has seriously backfired as a result. Yeah, it's very sad though because he was so close back on air on the 4th of September. Well, yeah, and, I mean, I was, I was really um, surprised yesterday when Kevin Barkhurst announced that he wasn't coming back because I thought all the indications were that he was coming back. Um, I think it was also the scenario about the payment, and I think this came up in public accounts as well, about the fact that the 150000 would it would be a condition of it coming back, the 150000 would be paid back, um, because, remember, there were no services delivered for the 75000 for each of those. But you'd be off his head to give that money back now, Colm. Well, that's a matter for, for them, I suppose. If you're looking, remember, the Director General has not said that the door is closed. So I think what you need to do is where do you want to be in 12 months' time? And that's the first thing I would say. If I was advising Ryan Tuberty in the morning, you know, the first thing I'd say to him, well, Ryan, where do you want to be in 12 months' time? And how do you think you can get there? And I suppose one of the things I think if he wants to get back into RT, I think it would be appropriate for him to pay back 250000 on the basis that there wasn't any services delivered for that 75000 for each of those two years. Yeah, but an so agreement I, is an agreement. Whether we like it or not, or we find it distasteful or not, everybody signed up to it. So he didn't break any laws taking that well, 150000 I, I, I fully agree with you, uh, Neil, on that. There was no, um, there was nothing uh, untoward done. The only thing that was done was the fact that there were agreements. Side, and I think this is the big issue that I raised as well, is the fact <clears throat> that the memorandum of agreement in relation to the 75,000 was seriously flawed. And, you know, these were the, the, the amount of agreements where you had side letters. So, you know, I always understood, you know, when you do a contract, you do you contain all of the crucial parts of what the agreement is are contained in one document. Instead with RTE, you had the multiplicity of documents for every agreement. So you had, on the one hand, you had the memorandum agreement, and then you had all these side letters. And was all of that in an effort to hide it? I think it's certainly not the way I think you would do business in in the normal circumstances. And it's certainly not a good way of doing it, because if you remember always when you're doing agreements, you also have to consider, and I come in from a legal point of view, you have to consider if this ends up in court, where do I where do I stand? But this could end up in court, Colm, couldn't it? It could, but I think, you know, again, it's about where do you want to see yourself in 12 months' time, two years' time, five years' time. If you start court proceedings today, the likelihood is that this will take anything up to two years before it will be determined. So in the meantime, no one is going to uh, give employment because they don't want to get involved in a litigation scenario. And I think it would be 
hopefully it won't end up in court and I think it would be the wrong direction to go and certainly that would okay. be the advice. And there are times, you know, when you say to people, well, they might have a good right of action, you'll say to people, is this the best way to go? Is there a way of sitting back for a period of time and don't rush into any decisions? Letting dust settle. Can I just ask, uh, for the time I've left, as, as a member of the Oireachtas Public Accounts Committee, you, you guys aren't going to row in on this, are you? I mean, you, you potentially could bring in Kevin Backhurst and say, what are you doing to this man in his career? He's found to have done nothing wrong. Okay, he, 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 he should take be a little bit more contrite. I understand that. But you need to reverse this decision. You have wronged him, No. No, I don't think the, <clears throat> the Public Accounts Committee, it, its job is to look at the expenditure in the past, not into the future. That's our job as regards the Public Accounts Committee. Yes, we may look at these issues. Is there an exposure in racial litigation? But again, that would be a, a you know, where the Director General would say, well, I can't make any comment on that because I don't want to leave myself open to... Um, to a claim subsequently inside in court. Okay, so, so you have no role to play in that. And, <clears throat> and just finally, because we, he did take a, a, a pretty swinging cut to his salary, which at one stage would have been uh, pretty close to 550 grand, down to 170 grand. Kevin Backhurst is now saying that he's also going to negotiate down all of the other contractors' salaries, which some people might feel as public servants, they're inflated. Do you think that this actually could be the case for a lot of the say, for instance, top government public servants and those within the public service who are... I've been asked by a, a listener to ask you the question, in light of Tuberty, is there more cuts to come in the public sector? Well, in, in the public sector, this is by agreement with the unions, as I understand it. Therefore, all of those are negotiated over a period of time. Um, I don't see it happening in the public sector because one of the things that's happening is that, you know, there are people who are leaving the public sector... Um, are going into the private sector and are earning more money and we're having it in a whole range of areas where people are leaving the public sector whether it's nurses doctors whether it's guardy there's a whole challenge now in the public sector in relation to retaining i'm not really uh, talking about frontline i'm kind of more talking about uh, middle to high management those within the civil service and various public bodies well there there is you know there is a, a, a like okay there is a few uh, um positions where there is an, an enormous amount of money being paid I suppose one of the problems is that you have, you take say for and say, one example is the HSE where there's quite a high salary paid but then if you look at that job where you're managing a budget of 22 billion which is you know nearly 25% of the budget for the country um, and you have a staff of all the hundred and Yeah, I know that, but they haven't really, those positions really haven't covered themselves in any glory, i got to tell you. No, but it is, it is a huge challenge where you have a, di- no matter what day of the week it is, there's a challenge somewhere in the country in relation to a crisis that you have to deal with, and it is a, an extremely demanding post. But I think in fairness, we have controlled the um, public expenditure, okay. uh, in particular okay. over the last 10 years, We've, we've, as a result, been able to control it. For instance, you take the HSE, we've gone from over 100,000 people working in the HSE to over 140,000. That's full whole time equivalents. In fact, the real figure is around you take partners and everything else is over okay. 160,000. I understand so, what you're saying. You know, yeah, 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 uh, by okay. controlling it, you can then hopefully have more people able to deliver a service. And there are, as you were well aware, there are challenges in a whole range of public sectors. Will you be bailing out RTE, giving them more money now because people aren't paying their license fee? <coughs> Well, I think that's uh, an issue that the government have to carefully look at as regards... How You're in government. Is it being talked about? It is being talked about. How can we 
make sure that we have um, you know good public service broadcasting but there's also the bigger issue Neil that we also look at you know the as I've said previously the uh, you know the radio stations around the country who are delivering a very good service as well you know they have challenges as well and how can we build a structure that makes sure that they can give adequate uh, coverage in relation to issues which are public issues and at the same time um, be able to attract the commercial market as well because yeah. for yourselves to survive you're very dependent on the commercial market as well but at the same time you need uh, support from government and I think we need to look at... Show the us the money then instead of just talking about it. Pardon? Show us the money then. Well that's an issue that we need to look at. We need to do the restructuring to make sure that there is adequate um, and I think that's the the one thing about democracy is that it's important that there is independence by media and that there is adequate funding to make sure that, you know, everyone who wants to air uh, an issue has that opportunity and that there isn't any restriction in relation to how, it, how the radio and TV stations are operating. OK, appreciate you taking the call as always. Out of time for now, Conan Burke, TD, member of the Public Accounts Seroctus Committee. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. Now... Show. Red FM. Lots of text, but just ahead of that, Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. And for the weather that's in it today, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if the Red Patrollers were delivering hot, piping, tasty, delicious food from Roosters, Piri Piri, uh, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park to you and your workmates. Now, the food will feed... Uh, upwards of 15 of you chicken wings, chicken skewers, beef skewers uh, chicken wraps, chicken pittas and the most delicious beef burgers all basted in the famous medium piri sauce and for sides we have piri salted fries, the rice the waffle fries, piri mayo and garlic mayo and everything to go with it and then for afters afters as we used to say, your own cheesecake which you can build the toppings lots of different toppings will be delivered with the cheesecake you can do whatever you wish with it now further details of Roosters food at www.roosterspiripiri.com but you need to text who you are and where you are to 086 106 and we'll start the shout outs in about 20 minutes time so text who you are and where you're working to 086 106 now uh, a lot of texts hi Neil looks like it's going to be a miserable weekend no I don't think so just for today but they say, fear not, we're having a craft fair this Sunday that you yourself would say is going to be rockin'. Our fair is on from 11 in the morning on Sunday at the Celtic Ross Hotel. We have local artists and crafters from right across the city and county showing their best, and it's all totally free. A great chance to get something nice for the house at a very fair price. Love the show. Have a great weekend. So anybody in the area or a trip down to the Celtic Ross Hotel for a bargain from 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Weather will be lovely on Sunday morning. Uh, pa says there's an Indian summer forecast. Unfortunately, I'll be in India at the time. <laughs> Second week in February. <laughs> nice one, Pat. With regards to um, the Tuberty and RTE development, Kevin Backhurst had his hands tied. Noel Kelly is just a front man for seven people within RTE. I believe there are bigger players behind Noel Kelly that have not been mentioned. I believe all those on high rates of pay are the seven people who are probably former presenters. That's an interesting one. You obviously know something that I haven't a clue about. Uh, I'm glad he's gone, and I think that Kevin Backhurst is doing a great job. Nobody should be on the money that Tuberty is and was on. None of them. He needs to get rid of a few more. They need to listen to the people who pay their wages, and that is us. We want better shows on television and less chat from so-called 
Irish stars. Neil, nobody cares. If he wasn't so greedy, he would have been fine. So move on, talk about the real issues like Gardaí on every corner to protect the banks, but never there to protect the public. Um, entitled to that uh, text, you certainly are, but if you were listening to yesterday's programme, I spoke about that at length. We had lots of calls on it. Gardaí protecting ATMs. Kevin Buckhurst has gone way up in my estimation. Finally, RTE has a boss who isn't afraid to face down the supposed talent and their vulgar salary demands. I hope you'll now follow through on his promise to end these Hollywood contracts for the rest of the so-called stars. Backhurst has said that this is about rebuilding trust with the public. And believe me, says Ray, this is a great start. Morning, Neil. I'm an employee of RTE. I don't blame Ryan for this whole big mess. The blame is wholly with the board of management. The people that need to go to reform RTE are the executive board of management. On the flip side, RTE's top earners weigh earn way too much money and the board needs to reduce their pay by up to 20%. I think it probably will be a higher cut than that as contracts come up. If you look at the cut that Ryan Tumberty took, I think he lost two-thirds of his wages. I don't blame Ryan... Well, he'd get no wages the way things are going now. I don't blame Ryan for what he did. He was due to go back at 170 grand a year. It's a lot of money, but it's not a patch on what he was getting and the lifestyle that he was getting used to. If the BBC or ITV or UTV want him, they'll pay a lot more for him than that. I also thought it was very poor of Kevin Backhurst that he just called him on the phone. He should have had the decency to bring him into the office and tell him face to face at least. For an intelli- for a man as intelligent as he is, Tuberty made a desperate mistake making that statement. My late father always said, least said, soonest mended. Uh, and that holds true here as well. Uh, Pat says maybe Tuberty did know what he was doing when he released the statement. Remember that Media House has deep pockets deeper than RTE and they're looking to get established in Ireland. Tuberty has come out as if he's been treated as the bad guy in all of this, while the people that designed his contracts have chosen to say nothing. And they ran when people in RTE told them to go. Answers that were needed may now never come. It looks to me that... As always in this country, the institution has to be protected at all costs. And that's a selection. There are much more than that. Keep them coming for that and all of the business. Text 0868104106. I mentioned in the papers this morning about the theft of money from a charity shop. And the charity shop being the greater Chernobyl cause. Um, and they had, I imagine it was a, a cash box or some kind of contribution box up on the counter of Merchants Key. Let's find out some more. Fiona Corcoran uh, is the founder of the uh, greater Chernobyl cause and joins me by phone. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's, Thank you for having me on the this cruel, morning. It's, yes. the cruelest cri- it's the cruelest kind of thing to happen yes. to a charity. Uh, what was the box and what was uh, the money oh, for? It was our cash box. So the red cash box, which we had under the counter, and there was over 200 euros in it. 200 euros might not seem a lot of money to people, but to us, it is a lot of money. That would feed like an elderly couple um, for a month, for four weeks, like in mm. Ukraine. Mm. And things are very difficult at the yeah. moment. Yeah. So the box was taken. Yeah. Um, any CCTV footage? We don't have CCTV in the shop. Now, the Guardi are investigating um, their CCTV course in the building, but unfortunately, there's no leads at the moment. When did it happen? It happened on Saturday after 3pm, and one of our uh, volunteers was chatting to a customer, came back to the counter, and the box had been taken. Were there others in the shop at the time, does she recall? There were... 
yeah, there were other people in the shop as well, you know, but she didn't see anything suspicious, you know. But to steal, number one, and to steal from a charity, number two. That it's the, it's the lowest you know. of the low, regardless of it? the person's circumstance. We don't yeah. know what, you know, sometimes, we unfortunately, know but, but you know as much as I do, Fiona, sometimes people are in such a condition that they, they, they yeah. don't stop to think. They don't stop to think. You're right there, Neil, and they may be desperate, you know, and we will help. We help all, mm. not just Ukrainians. We help, of course, Irish people as well, you know. But things are very difficult for our charity at the moment. I mean, we're supporting our Ukrainians, literally from Cork to Donegal. Then we've got our humanitarian aid hubs right throughout uh, Ukraine. So things are pretty, pretty, pretty uh, difficult for the charity. How does the shop, how does the, the, the unit operate? Do you, do you buy and sell, is it? So what we do is, no, everything that we have, we actually source. So companies will give us the end-of-line stock. Some companies can't afford to give us, let's say, a ca- we say monetary donation. So what they do then is they donate some of their stock. We're a charity shop with a difference. We're not any bigger, any better. But what we do, everything we sell is actually new. So it's like end-of-line stock, uh, surplus stock. People will come in, will donate some things that they have, you know, maybe received presents, you know, and they donate and we sell on. And it's completely run, you know, by volunteers. So, um, therefore, people come in and buy new gear at a very much reduced yeah. price. And really, yeah, yeah. rock bottom price. So you somebody know, like, took the, the takings yeah. from that portion of the day or something? Yes, yeah. they yeah. did, absolutely. And yeah. you're asking yeah. them to come yeah. forward. They, they hardly will because that would be a theft and the guardie would want to talk to them, surely. That's, that's true. That's true. Point, point taken. Absolutely. But we feel if they give the money back, you know, you know, if they apologise, give all the money back, maybe if they see the light, okay, we'll move on. It's sad, isn't it? It's so vital to what you do and yet somebody would come in and rob what you had. Like 200 euros is a lot of money, you know. So, you know, we're we're just reaching out to that person to say, please come forward or just let it in an envelope, let the box, drop it into a church, you know, drop it back into the shop, give it to somebody, hand it back, hand it back, please hand it back. Yeah, you mentioned churches actually. Unfortunately, in the past, I've had court reports of people robbing money in churches, collection boxes in churches. So, you know, it's it's, it's not anything new in this regard. You know, it's the lowest of the no. low, regardless of it's what circumstances yeah. people are it's, going through. It's very, very sad. Yeah. Mm. I think, you know, were they watching, you know, had they had they planned this? Was it just a moment of craziness? You know, we don't know. We're just baffled, absolutely, very upset. Mm. Mm. All our volunteers are, you know, so we have, like, we're open, we're open seven days a week and, you know, people give up a half a day or two half a days, you know, um, of their time to volunteer and then they think that something like this will happen. You would uh, you would plead with whoever it is, even at this late stage. I plead, and I'm asking, reaching out to say, please, you know, return that money. Please do. All right. My thanks. number is zero eight seven nine five three six one three three. So That's hoping that that person will, you know, will make amends and uh, give the money back. I know you're doing good work. God knows you don't need Thank this to you. happen to you. Thanks for that. Thanks no. for the update. Thank you so Appreciate much it. Indeed. Take care, Fiona. Thanks for your time. Cheers. All the bye best bye uh, by text instead of letting our politicians, as you're suggesting, retire to big jobs in Europe. Why don't we send them to Europe before they get a ministry or the continent? Uh, they get a lot of services right that we haven't got a grip on. Um, health, law and order, roads, name but a few. Maybe if young Irish politicians learn how to get these things right in Europe first 
and then came back and got the appropriate ministry here, we might get value for money instead of the other way around. That's an interesting thought that you would maybe do, <laughs> that you said a politician would do work experience at EU level before they get a ministry here in Ireland. Here's one that's hard to explain. I went to the post office yesterday to collect my pension, handed in my PPS number and my photo ID card, swiped it and I got paid. Grand. Then I asked for a replacement SIM for my post on post mobile all of this in the post office again I was asked for a photo ID so I gave them my PPS number and my photo ID card again it was handed back and I was told that that is not an acceptable form of ID confused.com so in the same post office they took your PPS card with your photo ID for your pension but wouldn't wouldn't take the same card then to get a SIM for your unpost mobile. You would think it would be the other way around, wouldn't you? Neil, will you please remind people driving around in the rain to light up, please? There's an awful lot of people driving in the dark in the cars and in their rain. Neil, you mentioned Celtic Symphony. Um, it should be sung loud and sung proud. Brian Warfield who wrote the song, has said that it's about what he saw written on a wall in Glasgow. Uh, how many times does he have to say it, says Paul and Toker. Well when, well, when he said it to, when he said it to Joe Tuberty, or to, sorry, to Joe Duffy, Joe Duffy responded by saying, ah, don't be giving me that, that old guff. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. Text 0868-104-106. at the ATM machine. The Guardi are there to protect the rich and the elite only. Obviously, the government gave the order to Drew Harrison. He gave out the order to the Guardi to protect the banks at all costs, says Paul in Toker. If they have no confidence in Drew Harris, why are they following his bizarre orders? The Guardi Shikona. Uh, no confidence, me, I. Uh, and then just a fast one. Uh, my biggest problem with it, RTE, is that they knew this for a long time coming and let Ryan buy out, bow out as a national hero, even though they all knew, him included, that there was embezzlement of public money. That is the only way you can call it. Uh, the blame game is a joke, but this stems back to Bertie O'Hearn days. He wasn't the only person taking brown envelopes. Uh, how can they even dare tell anyone now to pay a television licence a man was put in prison for three months because he couldn't pay his television licence, yet they can pay nearly five grand on flip-flops. It's a disgrace. RT should be shut down. The public state broadcaster should be set up correctly. But this is typical Irish culture, flat for all it's worth and hope to get away with it. We can see the politicians constantly doing it too. Keep those comment text 0868104106. Why I revisit a story from yesterday is because I need to update. We all know of the devastating fires in Hawaii. And I was talking on the air yesterday with Peter O'Regan, who's down there doing all he can. He lost his entire home and all of his possessions burned to a crisp um, and uh, actually spent... He didn't, he didn't tell me this on the air, but his mother, uh, Deirdre, subsequently told me he had seven grand to his name and he spent it all on aid to help those in his local uh, community. Um, they were looking to get a shipping container together and uh, we were chatting about it yesterday morning on air with Deirdre. She joins me by phone again. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I know that, um, you know, as you said yourself, you never thought you'd be in the public eye doing things like this, but mm. nonetheless, fair play to you. You're doing quite well. Subsequent to our conversation yesterday, I was contacted by John O'Connell, who is based in Drip- Dripsy. He's got a project called Project ESPWA, and he joins uh-huh. me by phone. John, good morning. What do you do? Morning, Neil. How are you doing? Good, uh, my brother. What do I do? I, uh, we are a group of volunteers who set up a charity 12 years ago. We normally, we started off in Haiti, now we ship the countries, and we ship, we started off doing projects, and we started doing 
we were offered some aid, so we started distributing aid out to whatever it's needed, basically. We do Ukraine, and, and practically every week, Lord goes to Ukraine. Then you have, um, you have Africa, Kenya, Uganda, Honduras. Dominican so you source, you source humanitarian aid, place it within yeah. a container, and ship it directly to the source of the tragedy or the devastation. Correct. Obviously, with the with the like the Ukraine, it would go by, uh, via road, by truck, which I is understand. much more efficient. Yeah, but the yeah. DR now, for instance, would be by sea. Would be by sea container, yes. Now, um, are you in a position to help uh, Peter O'Regan and those that he is helping in Hawaii? Yes, we are. But I mean, we work off a needs list basically. If we if we get provided with needs list, we may have some of the items on the list in our warehouse, which we can obviously load onto the container. But other than that, then we'll try and source what our requirements are there on that list. Where do you get all of the product from, whether it's the toys or the uh, household items or the electrical items or the tents or blanket? Where, where do they all come from? We just, we, we just keep asking, you. Know, we just keep asking different companies all the time for different items that we can and they help us whenever they can. And does everybody that works alongside of your good self, are they all volunteers? Everybody is a volunteer in our group. We have uh, six directors in the, in, the, in, the, um, in the charity. It's a fully-fledged charity with a CHY number, the whole lot. Okay. And, uh, and no, where everybody in this charity is working at, on a day job every day. What they have, we do this as part of our... They give their time free. They're all dedicated volunteers and take nothing out of it except the knowledge that they're helping others. Are you telling me this morning then that you can fill a container... Uh, that you can then ship to Hawaii? Yes, we can. How do you feel about that news, Deirdre? You are quite simply, you're just through a gift from God. I, sorry. I'm you, just, you don't, I'm want, you don't have to get calorie, no, Deirdre. It's all right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. And I know that Peter will be so thrilled, like when he hears this. Um, I'm just blown away, absolutely blown away. Well, you said it yesterday morning about the generosity of Cork people, but yet nonetheless, you're surprised. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm just, I'm, st- I'm stunned. Like, I, it's so hard to, be- well, it's not hard to believe actually that there are people like John out there, you know, that are doing this kind of work. They're just amazing people out there. And I'm delighted, yeah. I'm oh, delighted God. this has happened so quickly Thank for you, you. and know, for Peter and those that are helping. Yeah, now, now yeah. th- th- what Peter actually needs, I believe, and perhaps he's been provided for, what, what season is it now at the moment there? Is it, it's, it, it's summertime, right? Well, yeah, it's summertime, but it's never, like, there's, ne- there's no winter in Hawaii, so it's always, you know, it's always warm. The temperatures right. just drop maybe to... I don't know, 20, 21 degrees maybe. Um, okay, so I'm just trying to get an idea as to what's actually needed. But I think maybe you have put a list together, have you, Deirdre? Yes, yeah. I, I, I talked to them just very briefly last night and uh, I just said, look, can you just put your heads together and just tell me what you need? Um, so he said, clothes, mum, clothes for everybody. You know, they need clothes, they need underwear, they need shoes. Um and he said the next thing then would be um, like seats, you know, even 
um, what do you call you know like folding chairs will I know, go like through the list here if you like yeah, Deirdre okay yeah, 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 so yeah, you yeah, are yeah, right uh, clothing 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 summer clothing yeah. underwear shoes toiletries feminine products bedding towels inflatable beds folding chairs and tables cutlery hairbrushes toothbrushes children's toys books handbags purses wallets any other household item but not electrical or electronics no batteries no liquids or aerosols um, face masks because asbestos from the burned out buildings has gotten into the air that's the kind of general gist isn't it Deirdre? Yeah yeah see okay. I put um, I, I, I know that like when, when we're sending stuff out to him by post we can't send liquids and we can't send batteries um, okay, but maybe yeah. Pete, maybe Pete, maybe the the lads John O'Connell and and yeah. ESPW yeah. can. Yeah. John is is that yeah. is that list a challenge for you? Sorry, John, are you still there? Uh, no, he's not actually. That line seems to have dropped on me, guys. So apologies. He's not there, Deirdre. But as soon as I can get him back, I will get him back. Mm-hmm. I think they've done all of this before in the likes of uh, Ukraine, Poland, mm-hmm. Romania. They've also done it in Haiti. They've also done it in yeah. the Dominican Republic and Honduras. Wow. So I'm yeah. I'm imagining that this shouldn't be I mean, put words in his in his mouth, but it shouldn't be too yeah. much of a problem, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I don't even know what to say to you. Um, Neil, to you and your crew, you know, I, I don't imagine that, you know, you waved a, a magic wand and that this happened. You know, I'm pretty well, sure that you guys were working away in the background. Well, the lads well. were, certainly Kevin and Seamus <laughs> and Claire were, but it's ultimately people listening to the programme that drive everything yeah. in this agenda and, and, and John and his gang were, were listening. So I think yeah. I might have him back on line five. John, I just read out that list there just before I let you go. Did you hear it? I didn't. I'm sorry, Neil, but I dropped a call drop, so unfortunately okay. I never heard of it. But do you have that list? I don't, but I presume it'll be passed on to me. Underwear, shoes... Oh, okay, I don't people won't mind if I read it again. Underwear, shoes, toiletries, feminine products, bedding, towels, inflatable beds, folding chairs, tables, cutlery, hairbrush, toothbrushes, children's toys, books, handbags, purses and wallets, face masks because of asbestos. They're querying as to whether liquids or aerosols can be sent or electronic items or batteries. Um, is that a problem for you? Um, electricals, I would say no, because uh, they obviously would get the electricals more efficiently from the states, and yes, it would be the, 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 the electrical the rate. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all, but all of the others, do you think it's possible all, to tick that list? Yes, it is. It is. It is. I mean, obviously, with the, we, we, it would help from yourself even in the station. We might put out and feel through yourselves for different for donations. Okay, and where should people donate? We have a warehouse in, in, uh, in uh, the address will be currently Dripsy County Court. It's a warehouse there. Or they can contact me. We can always arrange collection from whatever it is they have. And have you have. a contact it's number that I could give out to the public at this <laughs> point? Um, you can. You can give out my number there. It's um, You can give out a number there, 087, if you want. Yeah. Number. That's the 87 127 No, it's 087 2717099 How quickly can this happen do you mind me asking I would say we're probably looking at time scale of gathering everything I would say it should have the container ready for shipping in about 3, three to 4 weeks Okay is Very that nice. is Very that nice. okay I know it it is weeks that away is but it's 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 a big That's project big, to put together Yeah huge yeah. and sorry can I just say there John um I'm 
I'm happy to work with you, you know, and I, I'll get a team of, of friends and family together because we are more than happy to drive anywhere to pick up. You know, I don't want anybody being put out. All, all I want is, you know, I'm so happy if people can source what we're looking for. I absolutely do not want them put out in any way, shape or form in terms of driving anywhere. You'll be exhausted, girl. You'll be exhausted. I, you know, I don't care because this is my son, you know. This is his community. It's my grandchildren. He's one of our own and they're one of our own and we do what we can. All right. Totally. And if he can do it on his end, you know, there's no reason why I can't do it on my end here as well. John's also sorting the shipping container, I believe. Is that right, John? Uh, yeah, we're going to use a shipper's own container because um, it's simpler because uh, you're going to um, Hawaii and like it, so it's, it's no issues there, you know. You're a superstar, yeah. man, you and all that's, of your volunteers. Thank you so much. That's amazing because can I just put this into context to you, Neil? Um, we sent a 10 kg parcel to Peter last Christmas through on post and it was 98 euro. So just Mother to give people an idea, yeah. you know, right. of the context of the cost of sending this Okay, amount, Wheel, wheels know. are in motion, Deirdre. Thank you so much, John O'Connell and all of your Thank volunteers you. at uh, Project ESPWA. It's an incredible intervention on your behalf. We'll stay in touch in the coming weeks, all right? I look forward to that. Thank you very much. Fair play, John. Fair play. Take oh. care. Talk soon, Deirdre. Thank you. Bye, Deirdre. Thank you. So much. Not at all. You've no idea. Okay, tell Peter, the good, tell Peter the good news for us, will I you? Absolutely, I wake him. I, I actually ring him there. And all right, good. Okay, Thank take care, sir. So all Thank the best. You. Take care. Bye-bye now. Okay, Bye-bye. The, uh, the lock-up or the storage unit is in a place called Curralee in Dripsy in County Cork. Or if you think you would like to give and to support uh, in any way, shape or form, you can call John O'Connell on 0872717099. And indeed, as you just heard there, Deirdre O'Regan will also work with her team to collect from people if they're in a position where they can't actually deliver. So we'll keep an eye on this in the coming weeks. But again, uh, the kindness and generosity of Cork people of all different walks of life, uh, they never, ever let you down. Back after the break, text 0868-104-106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I think Peter O'Regan will be, pardon me, Peter O'Regan will be absolutely delighted with the news when his ma'am Deirdre calls him, and that's great. Uh, free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Happy Friday, guys. I know I'm early, but you give a shout out, please, for Free Food Friday for the staff as in Catherine's Ward in the Mercy, the porters, the nurses, the cleaners, the doctors. And that is a text from a very appreciative patient. Morning all, shout out please for GRP roofing supplies on the Tremor Road. Free Food Friday please for the staff at the Dean Hotel, particularly the hard-working accommodation staff getting the rooms and the penthouse ready for the weekend. The penthouse, I wonder who's moving in there. Pat McDonald paints on the Commons Road. Would be amazing to win today. Birthday present for our colleague Mark. Morning to Grace and everybody at the Coach House Cafe and Blarney Castle. They feel they should win Free Food Friday as they listen every day. Incidentally, they said we also need to win the cash machine money. We love roosters. It's our last Friday in work before the lot of us go back to school. We're going to miss our Friday bunch here in the stable yard and we want to make this a good Friday and end the summer on a high. Please pick us. The complete upholstery centre and foam service on Barrick Street, Atkins Farm Machinery on the Carrigahan Road. Got to be one of the oldest businesses in Cork, I would think, out there. Atkins Farm Machinery. Morning to everybody on this wet day, including Declan and Quiva. Bardsley Developments in Cove are on site. 
So is EcoWall ICF, the Cork Ambulance, Cork City Ambulance Service are always listening, the South Infirmary Victoria Hospital. Morning to Karen and all of her colleagues. AOC Commercials in Carrick Tool, Topman Barbers in Ballancolic, uh, the Rapid Prostate Cancer Clinic at Orchid Centre um, at the CUH. If there's if anyone, they deserve a treat for the fantastic work they do. The patients' admissions at the South Infirmary. Oh my God, what a day. We would love food from Roosters. Have a great weekend, says Colette. Just three more. Cope Transport in Mont- Tonati, Sean, Noel, Eileen and all of the gang. There's plenty mouths to feed at Cope uh, and innovative technical solutions in Middleton. It would be a great start to the weekend, says Shane. And the Bonk Secours Care Village, the nursing home on the Lee Road. So we'll do some more shout-outs in about a half an hour's time. So text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. And uh, this lunchtime, Red Patrollers will be delivering food that could feed between 15 and 20 of you, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Um, you know, uh, this is a lovely one because it's somebody popping the question and uh, you've got to wonder, all, if you sit back and think of all of the different places that people have popped the question. Sometimes people go on holidays, they would do it under a moonlight, they do it from the top of a castle, they might do it while, you know, uh, out for dinner and across the table and go down on one knee. wonder how you propose to your partner Text 0868104106. But I saw a video there recently of the Cork comedian stunning his girlfriend by popping the question live on stage. I first saw this story in Cork Bio. It's the story of the local comedian Dara Murphy and his soon to be wife, uh, Una. Um, but enough of me. Let's get the backstory from the man himself. Dara, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I'd play. I'd play the. I'd play the. Can I play the audio? Or is it full of expletives? Of yeah. Uh, I don't think. I think you're safe enough. You think I'm safe? Okay. So, um, just talk me through what I'm hearing here. Where is it? This is the Coco Comedy Club. So it's upstairs in the the Roundy there on Castle Street. Right. Um, it's one of the more popular clubs in the city. Um, I've been going there for years and years. And Una, my now fiance, uh, like years ago, she'd be out flyering with me, trying to get people in on miserable days like today. <laughs> And so it was, it was a full circle moment when a couple of weeks ago I did it there in front of all our friends and family and sold out crowd. <laughs> I'll ask you some more about it in a minute. In a minute, but that's a super intro. Fair play to you. Have a listen to this.
the job is done. <laughs> <laughs> They're a rowdy bunch in there. Uh, what I want to know is the audience that were there, you it was all family and friends and people. Were they in the know? Some were, some weren't. Um, so it was like basically the show was sold out and there was the front row, I didn't know, second row, family and friends and sprinkled among them were maybe a handful of people who knew just so I wanted it to be special and her to have people to celebrate with. So I told her closest friends and a couple of members of my family. But for the most part, 95% of the room didn't, didn't know. You've had but the ring. Everyone got a sense, you know, because the way the set was going, yeah. I kept bringing up how I didn't want to get engaged. So I'd say by the end of it, she was the only one in the room who didn't know it was coming. Did she actually say at some stage that she'd rather jump off a cliff than get engaged? It's a bit embellished, but yeah, to like some degree. She was very difficult, Neil, to nail down a place where to get engaged. I said, <laughs> we could do it in New York, no. We can do it here, no. Even the week leading up to it, I said, where would you not like to get engaged? And she said, definitely don't do it in front of a big crowd. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, I have the plan set up. I have to go through with it anyway. <laughs> You've had the ring since November, is it? Yeah, she's burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> Did she know you had it since November? No, no. <laughs> I, I was like playing the long game of throwing her off the scent because she was going in to get her ring size. She forgot to do it. Then I went off in a huff and said, I'm never getting engaged to you. So every month I've kind of been placing the seed. It might not never happen. It might not ever happen. And then I really don't think she had a clue that it was coming. Because if I had a ring in my pockets this November, I guarantee you I would have lost it by now. Yeah, I, my mammy was very good. She, she minded it for me for the last nine months or whatever it is. Anyway, um, she did say yes, didn't she? Una. See, I can confirm. Initially, she didn't because she was so. Sh- I've, I'm, I'm stupid. Like so, in the past, I have, I have like pretended to propose, which is apparently a no-no. Um, and she thought it was just another joke that I was going to bring her up for a picture. And then when I was down on one knee, even she wouldn't believe me until she got up to the stage. And even then, she told me to f off and push me. <laughs> and uh, I said, No, Una, it's real. Look at the box. And she looked, and it was exactly the ring she she wanted. Um, and then she told me to f off again. Um, but uh, eventually, we got the yes out of her. Yeah, I can. Ima- I know who the boss is in that relationship. I can tell you. <laughs> Job done. Well, I mean, it's good to do it in public because it's kind of hard to say no in front of a big crowd, right? <laughs> that was my logic. But it, it was also so. It was like I had an excuse to have a videographer there, so we have that moment forever. Oh I had an my excuse god! To have a photographer and friends. So it, it was kind of the perfect storm that like it threw her off the scent. Like oh, if, we, if we were down in Kinsale and all of a sudden she saw a photographer, a videographer and all of her friends, she might get suspicious. I can tell you one thing, right? In all my years on air, I've spoken to an awful lot of people proposing, right? In various different forms in public and whatever. And I have never heard of the uh, woman telling the man to F off. <laughs> That's a first let's hope the, the wedding ceremony was a bit more smoothly alright ok so plans are afoot for a date when oh I'd say it'll be two years but straight away she kicked into gear I was just off my knee and she was already on about let's go view some venues um, but yeah we are having an engagement party next week and then then I'll be tasked with getting my list together getting my groomsmen and all that so I'd uh, say summer 25 alright well you've a lot to look forward to but a lot to do in the interim right are you together exactly. long we are together five years and her mood changed considerably after five years and no ring, which was in June, I think. The pressure just ramped up immediately, so I knew I had to, to crack on. Does that happen um, because of your age and the fact that you and Una are going to a lot of other people's weddings, is it? Yeah, 100%. Like, you wouldn't believe it now. Between now and the end of the year, we have five more weddings. We're not and alone. I'm getting, 
very sick of people being giving me the old elbow at the bar saying, ho oh, ho, you're next, you're next. So now I get to be that guy, which I'm very much looking forward to. And does she say things like, John and Marie got married? Did you hear that Mike and Mary got engaged? All that kind of stuff. <laughs> 100%. 100%. And to be fair now, she, she does say that her now engagement story is the favourite one that she's ever she's heard. She's got the so I'm best. I'm glad that she's I got, got the, the best. Honor. Delighted for you, man. Congratulations to you both. May you have many happy years together. And the odd F off here and there won't do any harm at all. Thanks a million. <laughs> all the best. Take care, Dara. Cheers, Neil. Cheers, man. Text 0868-104-106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Texter from John and Douglas said that his wife is the one who asked him to marry her. Apparently, they were in Duns in Ballancolig, and out of the blue, she turned to him and said, I think it's time we need to buy a pram. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. It's a cork way of asking, um, will you marry me? <laughs> Not anymore, though. You doesn't have to follow that pregnancy should be followed by marriage. But I love it all the same. Anyway, text 0868104106. So you talk about proposals and getting married and that one on the stage of a comedy club. It's a great story. You know, but you talk about marriage and weddings and things like that. It needs me, leads me nicely along to Cinderella, Cinderella's Closet, a lovely story that we saw uh, on, um, I think it was on the Glanmire Notice Board Facebook page recently. Now, you know the company because I've spoken to them in the past and they've often helped me out when... We need help for people. They do weddings and, you know, their dresses and big occasions like weddings and communions and Deb's dresses and they give advice on style and uh, all that kind of thing. It's a lovely place and the company is going from strength to strength. Um, and it was a lovely story involving a young girl um, who had pretty much resigned herself to the fact that she wouldn't be going to her Debs. That's the gist of the story. But Claire Dilworth from Cinderella's classes is clo- totally across it and she's going to share the details with us now. So, Claire, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you today? I'm, I'm great. Well done on your fantastic act of generosity. But tell us about it. What's the story behind it? First of all, uh, thank you for highlighting it anyway, Neil. Listen, it's only something small that we've done. But the small Um, things make all the difference. Yes, it appears so. It was, I'm not in the habit of giving out free dresses all the time because, (laughs) you know, running a business in the current climate and everything like that. But Sean and my daughter, who's our Debs coordinator, she got a call from a really, really lovely, genuine woman who really wanted this girl to get to go to her Debs. So, um... When Shauna rang me and asked me if I would uh, gift her a dress, I knew it had to be genuine for Shauna to ask me. Um, and it really is such a genuine case. And thankfully, that girl will go to her depth. So that's, that's what matters at the end of the day. Yes, yes. Um, the post that we saw was, I didn't really need, I didn't really need example, an example to help restore my faith in humanity, but I did experience it today at Cinderella's Closet. I'm involved with young adults in the care system. Recently, one child came to my home dismissing the chance to go to her Debs uh, next week because she had no money or family to support her. Isn't that very sad? That's what pulled at your heartstrings, I think. Absolutely, no family. Um, that's what pulled at our heartstrings and we knew we had to help. And we're so grateful that we can help. And Did you I, get in touch with the young woman? Did I? No, I mean, has she visited and everything? She has. She came in and we pulled out all the stops and she had a full consultation. She was so thankful. And she thought, oh, I thought you were just going to hand me a dress to wear. And we said, oh, you get to choose your own dress. 
she was such a beautiful girl, such oh a lovely God. girl. Oh my God! And so I did not know that they were going to go public about this. Just so you know, that you were doing it in the background on the QT. I understand that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah so. which makes it even more lovely that you weren't looking for any kudos out of it. No, no. Look, we're we're getting the joy that she's getting. It's a, it's a fabulous milestone her depth to be able to go absolutely um, and the memories of it with her classmates and her friends it would be devastating for her not to have gone it, it was and her dress is stunning she's, and she's so stunning she's going to be amazing I hope she has the most wonderful night I really do and you actually said to her pick whatever you want of course so of Cinderella course. really does get to go to the ball <laughs> yes it, it, yes delighted for her I'm going to have to rename Shauna now the fairy godmother, I think. Well, Shauna that. well listen, fair play to Shauna for spotting it. I, I, I'm told you're act, you've actually stepped out of a wedding yourself for me right now, have you? I'm on the road. We're on our way to County Westmead. We're going to a family wedding. My nephew, Daniel O'Sullivan, in Eva Highland. And we are looking forward to an amazing weekend. So um, it should be beautiful. Well, let, let this be the start of an amazing weekend as we reach out and say thank you and well done. I hope the further west you head, the weather gets better for you, Claire. I really That's do. what we're hoping. It's not looking great at the moment, but apparently it's not so bad. There. It's a wonderful story. I'm sure that young lady will share the photographs of her Debs with you and will have I the most memorable night of her life. I want to wish her all the luck and the best night and the very best in the future. She's had it tough and I just think she deserves this break. Oh, it's a great story. I love these kind of stories, particularly on a Friday. Nice one, Claire. Absolutely. Do stay in touch. Fair play to you. Will Thank do. you so much. Thanks, Neil. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you. There are a lot of other companies in Cork who do this on the QT and very quietly. I know of some of them just without mentioning too many of them. I know Dave O'Connor at Suit Distributors and I know uh, Simply Suits have done it for me in the past as well. You get on to them and say, listen, is there any chance you might be able to help this person out because they need a bit of a I mean I don't want to be going over the top about it for fear that everybody thinks that they're there for stuff for free they do help out many core companies do and they kid people out who really and truly haven't got the money for it I know in the past actually uh, that Dave has helped me out with people who literally were going to a funeral and didn't have a suit or a proper suit to put on for maybe a father or a mother's funeral or, or, or stories like that. So people are always willing to help and I love that about Cork. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just ahead of the news, can I mention again, it's a free food Friday today, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So you need to be texting who you are and where you are to 0868 104-106. The Red Patrollers pick up the piping hot food from Roosters and deliver it to your workplace this lunchtime. So it'll feed between 15 and 20 of you. If you've got that many or more, share it. If you have less than that, share it with other businesses, please, if you're lucky enough to win it. And we'll do the next bunch of shout outs in about 10, 15 minutes time. So text who you are and where you are to 0868-104-106. Now... Prenderville Show, Red FM. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, I'm open to correction on this. Please stop saying it's summer. It's actually autumn. It's semantics, lads. I don't know. I mean, for me, it'll always be summer until we hit September, but I know what you're saying. I get it. Uh, and how things change. My God, two years ago, no one could get a passport. Somebody says, I applied on Monday for my passport online and I received it on Wednesday. A super fast turnaround. Thank God. Well, I'm delighted to hear that it's speeded up and that's got to be good news. Then lots on uh, Brown Thomas um, with uh, people making uh, their 
thoughts known as to whether Ron Thomas were right to launch Christmas yesterday. It's sickening. End of. There's enough pressure on people struggling with the cost of living. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus and nothing else. Uh, in my chat with Lana on air yesterday morning says, Lana is right and F off with your Christmas songs till at least mid-December. No, I was making a point yesterday that if it's okay for Brown Thomas to launch Christmas on the 16th day um, or the 17th day of August, that surely means that it's okay for me to play the odd Christmas song between now and Christmas time. And on that basis, here we have Bing Cr- Joking, joking. There are Halloween things in the shops already. It's even too soon for Halloween, says somebody. Never mind Christmas. One quick one here. It's an absolute disgrace that Brown Thomas have their Christmas shop open on the 7th of August, 17th of August. People, children haven't gone back to school yet. Parents are struggling to pay for uniforms and school fees. When kids see this, they'll be writing their Christmas list and putting untold pressure and unnecessary pressure on their parents. Plus, Brown Thomas hasn't a notion of the true meaning of Christmas. It's pure and utter greed on their part. So thank you for all of those. Um, just one or two more on different topics, including Brian Warfield in the Wolf Tones. And the way that Joe Duffy treated the Wolf Tones member, Brian Warfield, was a disgrace, considering at the same time RT is looking for money to keep afloat. If you don't pay your television licence, you're made a criminal, and all the consequences that go with that Oh, incidentally, just like Tuberty, Joe Duffy is overpaid. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I've been talking about Cork on a Fork all week because it's a very important week to showcase all things Cork. Not just talking about the city or the suburbs, but right across the county because we really are the bountiful producers of uh, the best of food uh, across the entire country. Not just for our own, but also for ex- export. You might hear in the background the chef Orla McAndrew prepping here at the moment. Um, and she's setting up our kitchen, she's setting up our cooking, and she's going to do some food uh, that was all sourced from the English market. I see a lot of bold things there already, I have to say, Orla. The bold stuff, including way too much cream and way too much butter. But that's the tasty part of it, I suppose. So more on that and lots more after the break. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. In studio, award-winning chef Orla McAndrew, who's got all our kit and caboodle set up here. Your mic's live now, so I hope you can hear me, Orla. Yeah? Hi, Neil. How are you? I hear your pan going there. We need to get this door open because there's going to be smoke-a-rooney and it could set off a fire alarm. Oh, that's the last thing we want. Tell me. I know. What do you, firstly, what do you... You cooking and where will all the produce come from? So, I, oh yeah. God Almighty, we've set off the alarm. Yeah, that's a great start. Okay, they can work on that while we get on. <laughs> I was, I wasn't, in te- I wasn't anticipating that there would be smoke, but it's English market produce. So right? everything here is from the wonderful English market. And yesterday, I was outside the doors on Grand Parade doing fabulous cookery demonstrations for Cork and Fork Fest. Yeah. Um, so I'm using some of the produce that was left over because I'm a zero waste chef as well, Neil. Oh. Um, so nothing in my kitchen goes to waste. What did you bring from the English market for us today? I got some beautiful Serrano ham uh, from the olive stall and I got um, gobine cheese from on the pig's back as well and some Glown Cross dairy butter which is available in the good food shop. Butter? You put lots of butter in Loads of luscious butter. What is it with you chefs and butter? Sure, it's delicious. And then if you had enough of the butter you lash in a load of cream on top of it. That's it. Well, we've got butter and full fat milk here because you know what? Fake food is not good for you. All so right. you're better off going for the real deal. So what are you preparing? Because there's always a lot of argy-bargy in our house as to how to pronounce the word 
croquettes, croquettas or croquet potatoes? Well, croquet to me is a game that you play with a ball and a stick. <laughs> so that's out. <laughs> so, and I would say w- with this type of thing, with serrano ham and cheeses, it's a croquetta. But I think it's probably the same thing because it's panade, which is rolled in flour, egg and breadcrumb, deep fried, and you get a crispy crispy kind of um, a coating. So the first thing you've done, because I can't see the feckin' pan there, so the first thing you've done is you've made the sauce. Exactly, so that's just a standard bechamel sauce, which is equal quantities butter, um, flour, and then when that's melted down a little bit, you go in with the milk. Simples. Yeah. Simples. Okay, so that's just reducing down nice. Oh, here's the serrano. Where'd you get that? So this Who gave you that? from on the pig's back. Oh, yeah, my absolutely. God. Give us a bit Stunning. of that. Give us a small a bit of that, would you, before you put it there in there? Oh, lovely, jubbly. Um, and where'd you get the cheese? Gobine cheese is from on the pig's back as oh well. Our God. beautiful West Cork cheese, one of the nicest. And is that it? That's, that's all you need? That's all I need. And this is, you know, if you had a beautiful cheese board and you've little bits left over, mm. I always save those, pop them in the freezer even. They freeze really well. Okay. And now, then uh, be- there's cameras on here so people will be able to see this online. Forgive me for talking about my mouthful, but you're... <laughs> You're chopping the serrano. So serrano. Is it the serrano Spanish or Italian or what? It's Spanish. Okay. It's beautiful Spanish ham. Um, and if I had a food processor, I'd actually whiz this all up together. Right. Seeing as we're limited with space, I'm just going to grate up my lovely gobine cheese, sliced up the serrano, and here on the side we're making a bechamel, but it's going to be nice and thick, so it's just a binding agent, really. Okay. But how in the name of God are you going to get that crispy? Well, so when this is all done. And this is all... Uh, and that's a 10-minute dish to you, isn't it? It's a 10-minute dish, yeah. And it can be... It's literally... It's made from leftovers. That, that's how I brought this into my menu, is thinking of ways to use up food that might otherwise go to waste. Like, chefs must have a field day in the English market, to be honest with you, when sure. you walk in the door there. And the cooking demo that you're doing, because uh, you've already... Do- you did one already, I think, yesterday, wasn't it? I did, yeah. And fast. you have another one at the weekend, isn't it? Part of Fork and a Fest? So I am there from 2 until 4 tomorrow, and I'm also on... M- Emmet Place as well at 10.45. And you will have gathered and foraged from the market. That's it. And sure, it's the food capital of Ireland. Chalk it down, girl. Chalk Amazing. it down. So are you going to start rolling those croquettas or have you just added... No, you've just added everything in and then you'll roll it in the bechamel. That's exactly it. So I've added everything in together. We're, this is by magic of television and radio. I've got the ones that I've made earlier. Oh. So An old pro. So this is... That's perfect. It's ready to roll, but you'd wait, obviously. You don't want to burn yourself, so you'd wait till it cools down. Roll it into nice little balls, basically, and then you pan it. So that's dip it in what flour. What does pan mean? You have a little station of flour, egg and breadcrumb. And it works brilliantly for anything that you want to have that crispy coating on. Like, Would you deep fry that, air fry that, pan fry that? So I have my air fryer behind me. Great invention, aren't they? They're unreal. Do you know, I, I was totally anti them because I'm a very, I'm a purist and I thought, I don't need that. I'm a chef. I, I, you know, I have loads of other bits of equipment, but my sister bought one and she actually bought one for me and I use it every day of the Why week. Not? Why yeah, not? So it, gives, it gives just as good an effect, does it? I mean, yeah. far be it for me to say to a professional chef, but a fish finger out of the air fryer is the biz. It is. And actually the goujons, homemade goujons, even sausage rolls, they're unreal. Okay. So what have you got? What, what This is something I prepared earlier then, is it? And it's cooking away because they're not quite crispy enough. But uh, while we're on air, I'd love to talk about my zero waste weddings, if that's all right. Me. Okay, because that's what you do for a living. Um, you say zero waste weddings. So you are a wedding caterer. Yes. Okay. I'm a wedding and event caterer. Um, I've been in business just five years and... From all of my weddings, I'm very, very keen that there is no waste created. But I've taken it one step further last year and launched the concept of zero waste weddings. Right. Which means I take surplus food from my suppliers on the week of the wedding. And the couple involved have no idea what's going to be on the menu. And neither do I until I see the bounty that's in front of me. But how do you scale up to a potential wedding that could be a couple hundred people? 
Well, I have loads of suppliers, basically, and I have two or three of everything so that there'll never be a shortfall. Yeah. Do you um, go into the venue then or, or what? Are these marquee weddings? Hotel all marquee with? or kind of country homes or estate homes, that kind of thing. So we bring our own marquee tent, kitchen tent, uh, and we cook alongside the marquee that we're serving from as well. So does the, do the bride and groom, are they bothered at all that they don't know what you're going to give them? Do you know what? I think that's half the appeal, Neil, because they say that it takes away the overwhelm of, of making decisions. Oh, and listen, anything is better than beef for salmon. That's it. <laughs> that's it. We're done with that. Right, these are amazing and they're ready to go if you'd Let like to see a them. sample. Oh, you see? yes. Crispy. You did the job with them. They are crispy and golden. So if I was at home... And all, all of that from an air fryer. From That's an air fryer and, and all from of that waste. from two or three simple ingredients that you would have in the fridge, um, you know, wondering what the hell am I going to do with them? Exactly, and that might otherwise go to waste. So it's it's encouraging to get people to think about different things that they can do. So they're now all going nice and crispy and everything back into the 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 bechamel sauce into the beautiful mix, the cheesy sauce, if you like. No. That we're done now. That's the ones. That, these are the ones oh, I made earlier. Will you not just maybe drizzle some more of the salt on it? Do you know what I drizzled? This amazing West Cork red onion marmalade, All which right. is also available in the English market from the Rooty Foodie, and just a little drizzle of that on top, and an edible flower, and that's a beautiful canopy for a, a wedding. Yeah, I'm thinking I'd eat it as a starter if you few, few <laughs> threw a few chips on the yeah. side. You can make them larger and they can make there'd be a substantial dinner in their own right. So it's just you can play around with it. There's no rules. That and it's took just the concept. You, that took you just over six minutes. There we go. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing what can be done. So tomorrow then you will be showing and high and showcasing the best of the English market. Where are you doing the cooking demo? So I'm at Emma Place at ten forty five in the morning. They've got a beautiful big marquee with a hundred seats. It's a free event. Rachel Allen will be there. Uh, Pamela Kelly from the Farmgate is demonstrating in, earlier in the morning and there's about three or four others as well as myself and then I whip over to the Grand Parade again right in front of the English market showcasing the very best of food producers um, and it's such a joy for me because these are my suppliers anyway these are who I go to when I'm doing my weddings and events so it's wonderful to be able to put on a microphone and shout out to the world how amazing this project yeah, is Yeah we know it and I think the whole world is getting to know it even better aren't they? Yeah You know and like Dublin doesn't have anything like this thankfully hopefully that won't change but we have tourists coming in from the four corners And there's huge publicity behind it this year and Cork City Council and everyone involved is really to be commended because it's bringing loads and loads of people Totally to I'll give some more uh, examples of what's happening across today tomorrow and on Sunday and the weather will be better tomorrow this kind of inclement weather will be gone by the time you're doing your demo fingers crossed fingers crossed listen it's great for you to come in who, who gets to taste all of this wonderful food now well, hands you, up everybody you obviously <laughs> <laughs> listen thank you so much for, for, for providing Friday lunch Orla and for popping into studio Excellent. so nice one the great Orla McAndrew if people want to get in touch with regards to your no waste weddings how can they do so so I'm most active on Instagram and it's Orla McAndrew food and I share loads of tips and tricks and recipes for zero waste. And my website is www.omcatering.ie. Okay. Not just weddings, though, or do you other All corporates? Events, corporates, corporates sorts of... yep. Weddings and events. Delighted. Well done. Continued success to you, Thanks. Chef Orla McAndrew. Listen, back after the break, more things food. But this is, um, I know the old sign, the, the old saying, be careful how do you say this, um, how much wood can a woodchucker chuck if a woodchucker could chuck wood? Um, but what about an oyster shucker after these? The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Hi there, Patrick speaking. Hi, Shucker Paddy. It's Neil Prendeville calling from Red FM in Cork. How are you? 
Neil, how are you doing? Are you looking, are you looking forward to your impending trip to Cork? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait. Because I know you've been before. In fact, I'd imagine as the three times Guinness World Record oyster shucker, you're constantly traveling, mm. defending your titles, are you? Not necessarily defending, but you know, if someone pushes the button, I'll travel as long as they're at the same level as, say, Gordon Ramsay, who called me out last time. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, having some fun traveling around, teaching about oysters, that's what, that's what we're up to more now. And, uh, you know, getting back to Ireland is, is fantastic. And we're going to do an oyster tour after, after everything we do in, uh, in Cork. I know you are. But that you mentioned the Gordon Ramsay thing. I, I saw the video for that on, I think it was on, on YouTube, <laughs> where all of the oysters yeah. were laid out in a row. It looked, incred- right. it looked incredibly pressurized to me. <laughs> it's it's one of those things I figured it out a long while ago that that's the way you, you, you need a conveyor belt really to, so instead of putting it on a conveyor you become the conveyor belt you move to the oyster it's a faster process than trying to grab and, 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 and move things yeah can, can so you, there's can techniques you, to it yeah. as well can you just talk us through it a little bit I mean to become a Guinness World Record oyster shucker you got to shuck as many oysters but is it in a set period of time uh, for Guinness, there's a couple different ones. There's most in a minute, and then there's most in an hour, uh, and that was a team competition. So it was, a, it was it was ten people shucking for an hour, and you have to figure out what you got to do within that time frame. Uh, World Championship in Galway, Ireland, is more of a judged event. It's like ice skating, right? You know, you got to have some judges in there to see how well you've done it. Uh, that's more restaurant style presentation. Guinness Book no, is straight speed. Yeah, it's just straight so speed. figuring how to how to. Top off bottom, yeah. yeah, as quick as you can. Um, how how many can you do then within the within the sixty seconds? I got thirty nine in a minute, and on the outside, most if I was pushed to go again, probably forty four. But it all has to be in the right time frame, the right oyster, the right everything that goes with it. The right oyster? Do they differ? Oh, there's we in North America. We've got five different species of oysters that we can use for a palate. It's very wide. And then different regions that they come from as well. In Ireland, you've got two. You've got the natives and the rocks. And then you have different regions. So you've got oysters all around Ireland. The, the total circumference of, of Ireland is wonderful. And each region will have different flavors. Okay, so you got to have the technique, which means you've got to have good hand-to-eye coordination, I guess, good wrist work, mm-hmm. and a, a damn good knife. What do you use? Is it like a paring knife or what? No, I've, I've designed a specific knife uh, for myself, for my day-to-day. It's, if you look online, it's that yellow-handle, pistol-grip, crazy-looking oyster knife. I have a degree in kinesiology, so sports sciences says this works better than most because it works like a lever. For the Guinness Book, I hone it even a little bit further because the blade hat configuration has to be different for the actual, depending on the oyster again, you want to get that sports specific for the event that you're going to do. Sports specific, I love it. Have you ever cut yourself though? <laughs> yeah, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I absolutely <laughs> hold them. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've poked my hand about 80 times, like through the one finger three times, 14 uh, stitches overall. I wear a stainless steel glove now because, again, you know, only the crazy ones keep going back. You stab yourself once. You'll you'll never do it again, really. I can well imagine. Yeah, it it often Mm. reminds me. You know, the titles that you hold are like the old cowboys in the westerns, where you know the fastest (laughs) gunslinger is always being challenged by a guy who thinks he can take him out. Does that happen? Oh yeah, (laughs) all the time. They call me out. It it, it literally was. It was Gordon Ramsay. He says, "You got the Guinness Book. I'm calling you out. I think I can do this." I'm like. 
Okay, Chef, if you really think so, I'll show you how it's done. But by the time you get to my number, I'll be like at 44, if that's okay. If you don't and, mind losing on TV. And you left him for dust, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Do you chef as well, then? Yes, sir. I uh, cook oysters, but other things as well. I've had two restaurants and design built them from scratch in Toronto. Uh, when I travel, I love doing barbecue, like cooking meats and vegetables over charcoal. Live fire is one of my favorites to do. The flavors in part is fantastic. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I the know. latest thing I'm doing now is doing sort of a, a fresh shucked oyster and then kissed with smoke. But I got to use turf from Ireland. Turf. So here in Canada, I have a Connemara turf that I will cold smoke oysters for a taste that's fantastic. <laughs> is that legal, smoking, smuggling turf into Canada? <laughs> I got a guy in Boston. We don't talk about that. <laughs> I don't talk about it. <laughs> What's the best way to eat them then? Because traditionally we hear of uh, maybe lemon juice and a bit of Tabasco. Yes or no? I personally like to offer people the thought of having them naked. Keep your clothes on, but have the oysters with no sauce or lemon or anything on top of it. You know what I mean? Because that really truly t- gets that flavor of the region that it comes from. And if you take a Galway Bay oyster, the Kelly's Galway Bay oyster, um, the natives, when they come in season, I can open them up in Toronto because they close up tight. They take that little bit of Ireland with them over to where they go. I get them in Toronto. I open them up. I can close my eyes and I can feel the air of the west of Ireland, the oh, cliffs man. of Moore, the mist on Doolin. It's fantastic. The flavor range that this, this transports you. Yes. So if you put sauce on it, it takes it away. Right? So you want to try to yeah, yeah, the yeah. first one or two without anything. You're such a charmer. So you would be dead against then uh, saying cooking them or covering them with breadcrumbs Not- or cheese or anything, no? Not dead against. Not dead against at all. First, but you try one or two with that raw, fresh on the half shell to get that true flavor of the region that it comes from. Absolutely, you're big people. You can cook, you can sauce, you can do whatever you like. The breadcrumbs and garlic, the Warren's garlic oysters, fantastic. People love them because you get your bread and you sop up all the lovely butter and seawater that's in the in the oh, shell and it's just it, it's delicious. I love it. What do you drink with mm. it then? Would you say it's uh, stout like Guinness or Murphy's Irish Stout or something like that? Perfect, perfect combination is is literally with the with the especially the the native oysters of Galway, of the west of Ireland, right? Um, with uh, a robust stout like Murphy's, like Guinness, fantastic. And there's things you know, the, the, an oyster stout is even a brew that's been done up since the 1800s. Every so often, a crazy oyster grower and a crazy brewer will get together and make an oyster stout, which is a delicious piece as well. Somebody there some time ago made an oyster-flavoured crisp, and it was vile. It just didn't work. <laughs> uh, that one is a little edgy, edgy for sure. The, the other one I love to do is whiskeys. Whiskey and, I, and, and oysters work really well. And that's because the, the if you think about it, the caramel malt of the uh, whiskey itself pairs with the salted flavor of the oyster and the liquor behind it. So it's caramel and salt on the palate. It works really, really well. Okay, you're traveling and we'll be flying in the next 24 hours or so and we'll arrive on Leaside for Saturday evening at the Metropole, I believe. Isn't that the case? You're going to be chief judge. Metropole judging. is, that's it, right. Is it a, you're chief judging an open oyster shocking competition. Is that it? That's right. We're going to do a little bit of an open, which means anyone's invited from Southern Ireland. It would be a lot of fun to have everyone there to see who is the best of the best. And I'll offer up some training ahead of time to make sure everyone knows what they're doing. And, of course, we're going to be tasting lovely, gorgeous uh, Cork region oysters. And then after that, we're in the middle of Cork on a Fork Fest at the moment, and it's going down a storm. So I'll help you get an opportunity right. as well to visit a couple of the other events that are on on Side over the weekend, yeah? 
Absolutely. Looking forward to going to English Market and uh, Pat O'Sullivan's and, and see what they're doing up in the fish market. It's uh, you know your stuff, man. You know your stuff. Okay. Well, listen, safe travel. It'll be great to see you here on Side. Look after yourself and uh, it would be lovely to see your skills in action as well. All right? See you in a couple hours. Okay, Shocker Patty. <laughs> mind yourself, pal. All the best. Thanks much. Pretty much, I guess, uh, yeah, take care of yourself. Pretty much boarding a flight, I'd imagine, as we speak. Uh, anyway, that's part of uh, the Food Fest. And, of course, that happens. For Cork and a Fork Food Fest happens at the Metropole. We've got food to give away again this lunchtime, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So our second batch of shout-outs and one more shout-out batch in about 10 minutes' time. But for everybody at Care Choice and Clonic Hilty, morning to all of the staff, to the Animal Health Laboratories, uh, to everybody uh, in Bandon, Nicola the Boss and Helen and Amy and Leah... And Leanne and Sophia Noel, John Dearmott, Anne, Margaret and Marie, and Don and Dispatch to everybody at Bridgewater Homes and Waterfall, Blockwall Developments in Ballanglana, Ross Oil and Fernand's, Carrigaline Organic Hair Salon would, would love to win for the best hairdressers around, says Una. Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road are listening. Scruffy to Fluffy in Bandon, a great name for groomers. I would love feeding today. So would Shipping Solutions in Carrick Tool to the gang at B&Q. One of our longest serving colleagues is leaving and this is our last Friday working together, says Una. We'd love to win. Dominic Hussey is out at Shoes for Us in Little Island, spelt S-H-U-Z. The Pet Shop on the Kinsale Road are listening. Great bunch out there. Cullen View Interiors in Riverstick. Union Hall Smoked Fish. Premium golf brands working hard at the moment. Wrecked and starving. Crazy Monkey Bike, Skate and E-Scooter Shop in Douglas. Uh, always listening. Love the show. Morning to all. They would also share with their neighbours. Area Carpet and Flooring, working hard in the Douglas Community School. They're putting down carpets and flooring to welcome the kids back next week. And they share it with all the other trades who are working in the, in the school right now. Mr Dodd and the staff at SMGS Secondary School in Blarney, working all summer to get the school ready for September. Ah, nobody will want to hear about going back to school. Cork University Hospital Switchboard Department, West Building, West Building Products. Morning to Mary and all of the staff. Uh, their lunch is important because their staff out night out had to be cancelled due to the weather. <laughs> Monstro Bovine and Mallow, Ray of Sunshine, especially Linda, who's the big 5-0 today, would appreciate it on such a bad old day. And finally, Unified Packaging Group in the IDA Business Park in Carrick Tool. So that's our second bunch of shout-outs. You have one last opportunity to text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. We'll do those shout-outs, then we'll get ourselves sorted uh, with regards to picking a winner and some music to play out just before midday today. But the Cork and a, on a Fork Food Festival continues across today, uh, tomorrow and uh, all weekend. And I was going to just go through more of the free events that are available for people uh, over the coming days, like I've been doing since Wednesday and Thursday. But it would be much better to get somebody else to do it. And with that in mind, Kate Ryan from Flavor.ie is going to walk us through a little bit of what's left of the programme. Kate, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How the are you? The multi-award winning food writer and founder of Flavors.ie. Pleasure to talk to you. Are you involved across the week? I am. I am. Uh, if I may do a little shout out from three of uh, the events that I'm hosting. So later on today, four o'clock, 4.30 at the uh, Farmgate Cafe in the English Market, I'm doing a little talk and tasting uh, called Quartz Black Gold, which is all about the culture of uh, black pudding in Cork City. And then tomorrow I've got two fantastic panellists um, panel discussions lined up one at 12 noon with uh, people like myself that uh, have come to love Cork and live in Cork and grow businesses here in the food industry but originally came from somewhere else 
And then at four o'clock, then I've kind of corralled a bunch of other food writers that are colleagues and mentors and friends together. And we're going to have a talk about cork on a fork from a food writer's perspective. Yeah, and I suppose cork on a fork is very much like farm to fork journeys, really, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think, you know, one of the great things about this festival is that there's such a, a wide range of experiences that you can have. It's not just about going out to uh, the restaurants, but if you are, there's a lot of engagement there with the restaurants and uh, the local producers and the artisans and farmers working around the city and county but then also there's just great other things you can do like visit the community farms around or just demonstrations of traditional food items so there's so much going on not to mention all of the farmers markets but tell me this what what can you tell us about the history of black pudding it's got to be ancient i'd imagine <laughs> it is it's almost as old as ireland itself really to be honest um Oh, where to begin? I suppose, uh, you know, it's one of those things that has evolved over time um, and, you know, started with something called live bleeding and then sort of worked its way into kind of actually being made into puddings. And then I suppose the thing around Cork is that we have so many different types of puddings and a lot of that comes from the, the city's kind of history of being a port trading barreled beef uh, way back in sort of the 16th through to 19th centuries. So we are, there's a lot of beef puddings, although some people think that black pudding is often made with pork. Um, we have a lot of beef puddings as well as pork. And then I suppose back in time, our very own and very sort of rare now, Drasheen, which would have been made from lamb's blood originally, but is now made from beef. Have, so you, actually, have, have, you, actually, yeah, have you actually eaten tripe and Drasheen, Kate? I have, I have. Uh, one of my very first visits over to court, my father-in-law took me to the farm gate and he sat me down and he ordered me a plate of tripe and machine and said, eat that, that's the taste of court. You were probably <laughs> lucky in the sense that you ate it without knowing what you were eating then, is it? I, I did. I mean, he tried to kind of scare me, but, you know, I've eaten many, many strange and wonderful things in my time, uh, Neil. So uh, I just yeah, can't no, do I, it, girl. I just, I've tried so many <laughs> times. I mean, you know what the black, pu- I, I like black pudding, but I hate the term blood pudding, but it's the same thing, isn't it? It, it is and it isn't. I suppose um, sort of blood puddings kind of um, refer to sort of uh, all kinds of puddings made from an animal blood. And, the, you know, one of the things I'll be talking about is all the different types of presentations that we have. But blood pudding is, is mainly, is always usually um, blood mixed with a grain, spices, onions, fat, and then piped into a casing. So it's, it is in the family. Um, and then there is actually something I'll be talking about as well. There's this very fancy kind of fraternity called the Fraternity of the Knights of Black Pudding in France. And they only... I know, I know such a thing exists. But they... They have a secret handshake, do they? Yeah. (laughs) There's ribs and everything, literally. So they only recognise pork-based black pudding. I thought that black pudding was just synonymous with cork, no? Oh, no, no. I mean, sort of... I mean, black puddings um, are all over Europe. You know, anywhere where there's a meat-eating tradition, there will be... A black pudding, so you've got boudonnois in the Caribbean, you have a, a version, you know, the Germans have a version, the, 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 there's more chilla in, in Spain. So, you know, there's lots of different types of versions, but cork has a very sort of unique history attached to why there's so many black puddings. Okay, I, I, I know that's one of the um, aspects of the weekend that you're involved with. People can get full details of everything at www.corkonaforkfest.ie. Anything else tickle your interest this morning? 
absolutely. So I was having a look there. Now, there are a lot of events that have sold out, but, but don't let that put you off because there's still plenty going on. And also as well, I just want to say, all weekend long, a lot of the restaurants have things that are on the menu all the time. So you can get special menus and tastings in places around the city, such as Electric, Tequila Jacks, Paddy the Farmers, the Met Bar at the Metropole, Bloom at Hayfield Manor in the River Knee, and the Dean as well. Um, and then some of the, the, the events I'll mention here now are running multiple times over the weekend. So do check. If they're not running one day, they'll be running another day. Uh-huh. But I think some of the things that are happening today that I think would be really interesting is um, Bread and Butter Workshop at the Butter Museum. So is much more than what it sounds. So obviously Bread and Butter is such a big part of our lives but how do you make it? So up there, they'll be doing butter making demonstrations, soda bread demonstrations. They're doing a talk on spiced beef. They've got the guys from Shandon Sweets up there talking about their traditional sweet uh, uh, sweet making as well, um, as well as all sorts of things, uh, a butchering workshop. And you can visit the Butter Museum and climb, obviously, to the top of Shandon Bells and do all that kind of sort of stuff. And then the other thing that I think uh, is really interesting today there's an English market food history tour. Um, and obviously you can do tours in the English market, but this one is unique in that it's the first ever guided tour that's been hosted by the market traders themselves. And then it's been expertly guided by Regina Sexton, who's uh, one of Ireland's leading culinary historians. Spoke to her yesterday. Tea. You're right there. Yeah. yeah exactly. So she's walking yeah. around the market. Now, is that can people book for that or is it rock in and turn up or what? You uh, you need to book. It, there is a price on this one, so it's sixty five euros per person. But that includes a fifteen euro voucher that you can spend in the market. So actually, it represents really good value for money. Um, and it's a two hour tour, I believe. So um, you know, and Regina is just a fount of knowledge. So you'll learn so much from her and them from the market traders, which is something you, you don't normally get to interact True with them. Enough, yeah. kind of thing. There's a lot for um, free though. There's the demo. There's the marquee and the markets on Emmet Place, aren't there? That goes on all week. And then there's free food talks at the, from the festival live stage as well across the weekend by the Crawford, yeah? There is, there is. So say, for, for example, tomorrow all day long, there's a festival farmer's market running on Emmett Square. There's the festival market, Dem, uh, Mark, Marquee, sorry, Demo Marquee. And that is literally littered with all the big names from Cork Food. So we've got Rachel Allen from Bally Malou, the Carabini boys are there. Uh, Orla McAndrew is doing stuff on, on uh, Zero Waste. The Farm Gate, Glass Curtain, Takashi Miyazaki, all the kind of the big names, Ashley Moore from Goldie, are there doing uh, demos all day long. And then inside the Crawford Art Gallery uh, in the Lecture Theatre, there's a festival stage and all day long there are free talks running, different panels, demos and talks all you day long. You forgot about two o'clock today, uh, Bertha's Gin, a tasting with Justin from Valley Valan House. Fully booked yeah. out, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it already? Oh, fantastic. Well, oh, wouldn't fantastic. you know it is if there's gin tasting? Come on. <laughs> of course. But what you can do instead, which is free today, which I think will be really interesting, on the festival stage at four o'clock, there's an event called Of, uh, of Irish and Oysters, and it's being hosted by Patrick McMurray, who's an oyster sommelier and champion shucker, if you can believe it. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be talking about um, the history of, of oysters, but also I think the what he's calling the Irish appellation of oysters, which is where, depending on where the oysters come from, from around the island of Ireland, they will all taste different depending on the water and the environment and the currents and all that kind of stuff. Totally. Be really yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That and lots more besides. I wish I had more time, but I'm afraid I need to clip ahead. But again, to remind people that uh, the events at a glance are all available online if they want to check it out www.corkonaforkfest.ie. Good luck to you and your involvement in it right across the weekend, Kate. 
Thanks very much, Neil. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. Today isn't the greatest, but it will improve, and some of the many of the events are indoors. You know, one of the greatest successes that I've seen in a long, long time were the guys behind the pies, the pie guys. They started out down and still are in the black market down uh, the marina, and they were on the air with me, and they delivered some of them, and they were absolutely delicious. I got a yen there a couple of weeks ago, because they recently opened inside in the English market, and I was on my own. I said, you know what, I'm going to get myself a pie, take it home, and have it for the dinner. In I went. And what was I met there? What was I met there by Tim O'Kennedy? What was I met there with? <laughs> I don't know. A sign said a sign that said sold out, come back tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, anytime after about one o'clock in the early days of the thing. I mean when we uh, when we first moved in it was unbelievable. It was, the doors got blown off every <laughs> single day. Which is great. You know, high class problem. You weren't expecting it so back. quickly, no? Sort of, but not to quite that extent, you know. So people lined up outside and, you know, suddenly you're going, how quickly can we get these things in and out of the oven? Uh, Without affecting quality of the the good old beef and beamish beamish pie. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And, you know, we did another thing for the English market because, of course, it's it's a bit more of a morning business. And we thought, well, nobody wants to eat a pie at 8 o'clock in the morning, but what would they be up for? And so we came up with, and this is perfect for... Uh, cork and a fork we came up with this thing called corkish pasties so it's a bit of a play on the whole cornish pasty thing but it's the idea of all the ingredients all the quality but in something that you can hold in your hand with a cup of coffee and get your day off to a good start (laughs) I'd I'd still have a dribbling down the the front of my shirt or t-shirt you can be sure of that (laughs) yeah perfect well that's all part of the fun of it all but um, no so those have been working out really well the black market goes great we've got some wholesale customers we even got a guy out in Kinsale and the post house is doing the pasties so Really happy days right now. Really yeah, happy. Yeah, days. you must be pinching yourself with the success in the space of what seven or eight months. Yeah, a- absolutely. And you lurch from one problem to another. You know, such as the such as apply to the entrepreneur. You, you go, okay, not enough business. And then, oh my god, too much business. And then you know, it's uh, but there's never an easy life. But it's great. It's just you need to get bigger ovens so you don't have signs sold out. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> Well, you know, that's exactly what we said. We got, It was like the whole Jaws thing, you know, I think we're going to need a bigger oven. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, is that the most popular? Because I know there are others besides, say, for instance, the beef and uh, the beef and beamish pie. Yeah, so we've done some new stuff since we last talked, uh, one of which is a butter chicken pie. So if you imagine a really mild, uh, but really beautifully from the ground up seasoned Indian style uh, free range curry pie, uh, that's been huge for us. Everybody loves that. We do a thing called the cheesy kiwi, which is like in New Zealand, they're mad about pies. And the sort of reference pie for New Zealand is, is a ground beef and cheese pie. And if you get that right, as far as they're concerned. Oh, I think it sounds great, beef and cheese. You know what you're like? You're like the pie, the pie equivalent to KC or to KC's menu. You know what I mean? Very quirky, very different, very adventurous, you know, exploring food combinations. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have to try, you know, and I mean, there's always this balancing act between giving people precisely what they know they want, which, you know, the poster child for which is beef and beamish pie. But then, you know, livening it up in the margins and keeping people guessing and engaged and talking with you and just exploring. What goes well with the pie? You mentioned coffee with the pasty, but a pie really needs ale, does it? Or beer of some sort, I would have thought. Yeah, well, look, a pie and a pint is 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 an expression that I didn't come up with, God knows, and uh, so that's a clue. And uh, I think you, you know you, you'd want to be matching stuff up. I I would say that for for instance, the chicken and tarragon pie, 
nice glass of white wine isn't going to go very far wrong, is it? <laughs> play to you. Fair play to you. Yeah. Are you involved in Cork and a Fork Fest or will you just be Not lashing out the pies year. all weekend? Yeah, exactly that. So, you know, we were approached and I think for sure next year, it's a great idea. It's a great idea, you know, and the more that we can build Cork's already kind of pretty significant reputation for good food, the better. So, uh, great initiative. This year we didn't have the bandwidth. Next year we will. But were you sure. aware of the success and just the whole atmos of the English market before you set up in there? Yeah, because I'm a foodie and I would have been in and out of there on a regular basis. Uh, Rebecca from the Farmgate Cafe is a friend. And so, you know, I've known the place and, and really liked it. And being a big fan of market food in general from all sorts of different places, and what I didn't know is what a fantastic community of vendors there is in there. You know, it's a bit like the black market. There's a real sort of team of cool people who are trying to do the right thing by food. I agree. And the welcome that we got in there was unbelievable. You know, just one veteran trader after another coming up and saying, welcome, you're going to kill it. This is going to be great. You know, I, I, I love I love sharing your success. Um, happy first anniversary when it comes up, along with the bigger oven, and may you go from strength to strength <laughs> and sell loads of pies across the weekend in the English market, all right? Thank you so much, Neil, and we look forward to seeing you back there. You too, pal. Take care of yourself too, Tim O'Kennedy. The pie guys at the black market and also now in the English market. And if you want to savour them, for the short term anyway, get in early because they do sell out. So it's little point me going through any more of the events on a glance because uh, there are so many of them. But you will get further details of everything at corkandaforkfest.ie. And it's important to accentuate all that's good on Side To play us out this morning, one more bunch of shout-outs for Free Food Friday in a few minutes. But joined in studio by Jennifer Lyons next. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Looking down, afraid to fall At the edge of the world Or so it seemed He took my hand It felt like home Terrified to let him know The first time our eyes met Undoing anger But I know this can't be true For you're stronger, you are braver than them all You walk tall, you walk alone Two steps ahead, oh I don't know Should I give my heart to him? Undoing anger on the road Running from what I don't know Searching for a higher love to call my own I see you're always jumping in You never look before you swim 
Side, the great Jennifer Lyons. Is is that a true story? Yeah. Did, <laughs> a long were, time ago, though. Were you, you were up on Aaron and you spotted some guy and uh, 
kind of clicked? Yeah, well, actually, we were supposed to be going on a tour, a big bunch of us on a bus. We had like, there was a, a group of trad musicians and we went up playing music and we went a bit heavy on it the first night. So the Saturday morning, a tour guide showed up to take us on a tour and nobody wanted to go. So it was just me and this one lad on a bus. Yes. And I was weak from <laughs> We went up to Dune Angus and we had a great time. Anyway, yeah. It's long it time sadly ago. wasn't reciprocated. I went home extremely hungover and I wrote that song. And now everybody, whenever song. I go up the West, people are like, sing Dune Angus. I'm yeah, like, okay. absolutely. Because <laughs> it is a stunning part of the world, isn't oh, it's it? it's fab. Yeah, I yeah, love it there. Yeah. And you're flying. I mean, I have great admiration for singer-songwriters, so congratulations on that. You're playing Debarra's on Sunday, you're playing Collins next Friday, and you're playing the wonderful Sea Church in early September. Couldn't yeah. be busier. Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it now. Um, I just launched the EP last week, and I played it first in Kenny's last night in La Hinch, so took off up the road. And uh, I think I got all the jitters out of my system. Yeah. Like, anything that could go wrong didn't go wrong, so I'm, I'm holding on to that now for the next couple of shows. And holding on to your piano as well. Have Piano will travel. I know, yeah. Well, like, with this weather, I'd be like a dog lugging the keys in and out before <laughs> we get over it. Thanks for doing it this morning. Not a bad Because you kicked off the weekend. Fantastic for, for us. Congratulations on your continued success. Beautiful song. And thanks for playing for us this morning. No worries. Thanks. One and only Jennifer Lyons. I want to say thank you as well to Owen Hennessy and Live Music Promotions for providing us over the summer and hopefully into the autumn as well with some incredible Cork talent amongst them, Jennifer Lyons. Our final bit of uh, business, uh, shout outs for Free Food Friday. Dean Civils in Kinsale, working hard. Everybody working for a Danone Baby Food Factory out in Kilmichael. Holly from the Pharmacy Department of the Mercy would love feeding today. Everybody at the Bark Park in Ballinahina. Morning to JC or GC Auto Parts and from Moy and all of the girls at Anne's Hair Studio in Bantry who are always listening but free food Friday winners for today um, and for the weekend that's in it should be everybody at Classic Windows in Columni that's out Ovens Way and their chosen spokesperson is the one and only Natalie Natalie good morning Hi Neil how are you? I'm great how many of you are there at Classic Windows? There's about 14 staff, but they're all rolling away from me because they don't want to talk. Typical bunch of cowards. Well, no food for them then. Nothing for Hillary, nothing I for Margaret. I've a few anyway. Yeah. Well, is Hillary, Margaret, Mary, Shane, Kieran, and Linda with you? Um, Margaret and Linda are here. Hillary's on the phone. Aren't they shocking cowards when there's so much free food going on offer? <laughs> I'm the spokesperson. I always get landed with those kind right, of things. Well, listen, this will feed 15, maybe more of you. You so you can pick who's good and who's bold and distribute <laughs> them for roosters for Perry Perry accordingly. Give us a bit of a shout out for the weekend, will you, Natalie? Cheers, and see if I can get one or two to join in. One or two, forget about it, what a dozen. Go on. <laughs> for the time I've left enjoy feeding thanks for listening have a great weekend at Classic Windows cheers okay thanks very much bye bye Bye. you cowards you won't be cowards when you're looking for the food I can tell you good girl Natalie thank you last bit of business this morning is some more um, family passes to give away for various Cork locations to take your loved ones off uh, for a bit of fun and today while they call it the Leisureplex it will always be known as the Coliseum to me and we have family passes for groups of four to go for a game of
bowling. While you're in there, actually, you might want to try out the pool and the snooker and the air hockey and all the arcade games and the driving games and the simulators. You spend the whole day inside in Leisureplex. Further details at leisureplex.ie. So we'll take callers 9, 10, 11 and 12. Family passes for Leisureplex. Get dialing and enjoy. Have yourselves a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.